This is the stuff Friday night rental store nightmares are made of. <laughs> This is the Imperial Scrolls of Honor podcast. I am Josh Folan. And I am Jay Baxter. And we're going to be bullshitting about the form of years of console gaming as we revisit the periodicals that covered it again. Magap going out today. Game Pro issue 6, I believe. I can't tell for sure because I left it out in the sun by the sandbox with a Twix bar on it. And that baby melted all over the cover. So the link will for that will be in the show notes, as it always is. You can rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you have your pod delivered to you via... And what are we jamming on now? Jay, what are you jamming on now? So many good games, man. So many good games. Dude. All right. So uh, I, I like you should <laughs> do you should do uh like keynote speeches for the video game industry in that like <laughs> at all times the the general landscape of the video game industry is just fucking fantastic and there's just an unlimited number of options by, by your gate. <laughs> That's how it feels, man. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I work in the industry, but yes, it truly feels that way. So the first one, which I'm super excited about, which is why I'm so pumped, Vader Immortal on the PS4 VR. Oh, have you played it? Have you heard of this? I have not. I I told you, the number of VR titles that I was able to find for that are just so... Dude, so I knew that this was coming out like I knew that it was going to be released and then I kind of just lost track of it and forgot about it. But it's a recent thing or, or that is Yeah, very it's very recent. I think it came out in like November, December or something. Like it's okay. it's very recent. Yeah. So I something reminded me of it. I, I looked it up and immediately, yep, it's released, so I bought it. And man, it is so much fun. Like you're basically in the Jedi world. You're you're using the force. You uh-huh. have a lightsaber. Crushed my soul, Jay. Oh my gosh! I was, I was so, so excited amazing. to play a new game, and then you said Star Wars. <laughs> oh, dude! Vader, Darth Vader, immortal. It is the best. Oh, it's like okay. Darth Vader has classically been one of my favorite characters, if not my favorite favorite character in Star Wars. But and so knowing nothing about this game, I thought I was going to be him, but you're not. Well, I'm a Chewbacca. But I think. <laughs> I had to pick anything. <laughs> no, give me, give me Vader. But no, like in the game, you encounter him though, and I was afraid. Like I was actually afraid. Like he stands in front of you in such a menacing way. It's like VR is a trip, man. Like dude, dude the, the so Resident good. Evil, the Resident Evil shit. Like de- dealing with that dude, that fucking just the the dad, the the patriarch uh in that family that you're in the house of is just fucking terrifying man <laughs> <laughs> it's so well done yeah. it's so well done but yeah that that game is so fun i yeah i'm having a blast with that so it, and it's, i it's, had to pull myself away from it customary fucking star wars fucking lightsaber in around battles bullshit or is there some sort of no it's like it's very story driven and i, I don't want to go too much into it but just obviously because I'm learning the story as well. But so far, it is, it's unique and different. You're not just like running around slicing and dicing. Uh, you get to actually 
go through a training mode if you want, which I did where you're learning the moves. And even that itself, like they call it Jedi training is so fun. Like it's just a training mode, which on most games, unless I feel like I need training, I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Forget that. But in this game, it's so fun because you feel like you're actually doing it, you know? And so if if you have any, any kind of fanboy isms or fangirl isms towards star Wars, you would love that. Yeah, VR just generally man, VR is just ah, uh, I, I I got it. I I have to get a, a PC set, you know, and be able to play those like you know fucking uh, what's from a fuck Subnautica and yeah Subnautica, oh. Subnautica <laughs> and VR. I just like I the the idea of the idea makes me almost <laughs> want to pass out. Like I just can't. You know, it's just it's just incomprehensible. The idea of like a you know. And I'm comparing this to like, you know, my most extensive VR experiences are via PSVR to this point that are good anyways. You know, I've played some archaic stuff over the years, but, you know, and, and those experiences are incredible. And like, I just, I know, I don't know, I, I'm not like a, uh, well-versed in the technical uh, disparities between uh, with PC gaming really anymore. It's been a long time since I was on, like, I would say I was on the PC gaming scene in quotation marks, but I know yeah. that it's just like, it's not even, I know that they shouldn't even be compared. Like it's a joke to compare them technically. <laughs> and the idea of playing some of these games that I really like in that setting is just, oh, I just, I like, it would just be incredible. And, and I, I can't believe I haven't been on it. I, it's just a matter. It, I think the, I don't know, just like the, one, I'm not entirely like I know I need to do research, and that's probably one of the bigger stumbling blocks. If I would just sat down and spent 30 minutes figuring out exactly whether or not my laptop tap could do it, or what I had to do to my laptop in order to facilitate it, or what I had to buy in addition to the headset, like you know, if I if I would just sit down and figure it out, I would probably just do it. But that tends to be a big stumbling block for me is just sitting down and spending a few minutes of, of fucking research time to figure shit out. But like, yeah, I, I badly want to get into more vr stuff because i just know it's fucking you know it's just just the fucking 3d send thing the nintendo emulator like (laughs) fucking playing those games in (laughs) vr would be incredible like (laughs) you know absolutely i I should just have jesse text you my brother he him and his wife have been playing with the oculus for you know ever since the pandemic started and that he loves it you know i'm sure man he's a pro with that stuff but i mean keeping with that theme i had to go back to my old favorite top 10 one of my top 10 games of all time astrobot rescue mission uh and just play through some of the bonus stages so i i beat that game long ago and just you know since that since i connected my vr again going back to that and playing through the bonus stages i forgot how much fun this game was i mean it's it's basically one of the psvr ones right absolutely it's it's really like a 3D platformer a la Mario. It's just so well done. It's so much fun. It, I, I can't talk enough about it. So good Top stuff. Top 10 of all time is a big statement. <laughs> Top 10. I mean, if you're talking pure fun, you know, not not length, not, you know, but like pure fun. Like I have pure fun when I'm playing that game. And I, I often don't want to stop unless I just need a break from the headset itself. need for sure. Like I don't, yeah. I like, I, I'm nowhere near the level, you know, like the idea of getting motion sickness or anything is, is crazy to me. You know, not, not to diminish people who actually have that happen to them, but the, you know, play it, the, the best thing I can say is Doom. Like I've said it a million times in here. I think like, <laughs> you play in yeah. Doom in fucking VR, Doom 6, 2016. Like, 
I feel physically spent at times. I just need, it's not <laughs> like, it's not, you know, not disorientation, not dizziness, not nausea, nothing. It's just like, I physically need a fucking break. Like I just ran <laughs> 20 miles. <laughs> exactly. I do foresee myself picking back up my uh, golf VR as well. Cause that was very, a, a nice break to, kind of break up the workout routines not being able to go to the gym itself these days so i, I see that in my future that's right yeah I, I i haven't played anything that's like that tries to just like casually put you in that play experience you know what i mean like yeah, everything i oh, like yeah Doom, resident evil skyrim those are all like you know you're like fucking engaged in something but golf you, know, <laughs> you would just be like looking around and stuff and it's probably pretty cool <laughs> yeah. It is, man. I have to make sure that the kids are like in bed or like out of the room because obviously you're swinging it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Look at this clock. What I'm, yeah, yeah. And then uh, Halo Five Guardians moving back. I mean, I, I love the game. It's I'm I'm good at it now to the point where I can lead my teams to victory, and my kill death ratio is is strong. Yeah, love that game. You and these FPSs, man. <laughs> Get on board, man. Get on board. And dude, we have to talk about. No, we have to talk about medium. Have you tried it yet? Medium? No. Oh, Game Pass just released. Yes, just released Xbox Game Pass Series X game. It's so good. I, I mean, if you haven't heard of this game, the the whole synopsis like is like your medium. Like you somehow are in contact with like the other the realm of the dead and at times you play simultaneously in both worlds and it's like so interesting because you have powers the graphics are clearly just amazing because they're it's next gen and like i don't want to spoil i don't want to spoil it like i'm I'm actually learning that part right now because the kind of the intro part is very it's very long but like it's it's engaging while you're learning to play and like to understand what's going on and why um, but just, I, I will leave it at, it's supernatural. You have these powers, you're existing in both realms at the same time. And it's on game pass. Like if you have it, try it out. It it's also terrifying. It's <laughs> like it's like, there are times when like I jumped like, Oh shit. You know, like I had that moment and Courtney looked at me. She just, cause she's off playing dragon age off to the side. She just looked over and I was like, Oh, you gotta play this game. Like it's, it's good. Very well done. So if you, so if you want to be scared, you guys have like two TVs set up next to each other. And you sit and, sit and play next to each other like that? What? Yes, you haven't yeah. seen. Oh man, we. Uh, I gotta. I'll text yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, you gotta. We got side by side now. Post that couple's fucking gaming environment situation just, <laughs> just for some tutorial stuff. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. It's uh, it's. I, I married a gamer chick, and it's worked out pretty nicely. I gotta say. <laughs> but yeah, if you haven't, go try medium. How big are the t- just just for just just for the penis measuring game how big are the two tvs are they the exact same size and are they right next to each other or like what are the sizes that are right next to each other (laughs) hers is bigger but mine is better (laughs) mine has has ultra hd 4k hers does not but because we bought we bought that one first that was like the the original one i think hers is like I could be wrong. I think hers is 60 and mine's 53 or mine is hers is 53 and mine's 49 or something like that. Hers is like three inches bigger. So, <laughs> but mine's like, mine was given, mine was like the gift and like the upgrade. And I was like, yep, I'm taking that one. So 
but we were we've talked about she definitely wants an upgrade so we will we've been talking about like okay let's get them both the same size and upgrade but that's kind of pointless and you know unnecessary right now it's like we don't need a new tv it's just kind of like yeah want one that's a fun thing works, yeah. yeah why not <laughs> uh, you spend so much time at home it's like all right fine yep that, right. that makes sense yes especially with the gaming stuff i mean yeah but yeah man awesome awesome games and she's speaking of dragon age she's got me she's been playing through dragon age inquisition all the dragon age games she loves them like just absolutely loves them that whole fantasy genre and so she convinced me to start up a game and i started up a game but I started up that game on the same day that we started playing our Ultima game. And it is part of the reason I love the idea. I freaking of hate things. that game. I love those, the idea of those two uh, things being side by side on two TVs next dude. to each other. Two 60 inch TVs next oh to each other gosh. makes you so happy. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, we play- got, I, I will hold that. I will hold that part until later. We got to hold that part until later because that is part of my part of my issue with Ultima right now. But I'm going to hold do, back. Do I'll you pipe back. it onto your? Do you play it like that? Do you play it on your main? gaming screen no I, no you no, I do not you should do yeah. i mean that would be super easy one you're i mean you could probably just cast to it can you not but uh otherwise it's just an hdmi piping away you know uh, i don't i don't think so because my mac my mac is like in another room it's a mac desktop uh, yeah, that's, that's part of my part of my issue i'm thinking about just upgrading just for that reason well you it's know? a laptop I mean, isn't it you, i mean if it's a laptop no no it's a desktop oh jesus christ yeah yeah, I didn't even know those still existed. <laughs> <laughs> well, creatives in the family, you know, there are reasons to get that. But now I think I think I need to upgrade for gaming purposes, specifically for that. You know. Yeah. I mean, it's a little bit of a pain. Yeah. I mean, I don't take mine over usually when I'm emulating either, just because I mean, it's super close. Like I could, I could probably actually, I could, I shouldn't say I should. I could absolutely just run the without even moving my lap my laptop i could run the cable <laughs> from the tv to my <laughs> to my laptop with minimal effort uh, probably with uh, the one i already have uh but you know i just i still don't do it so i shouldn't talk too much shit <laughs> <laughs> but it would be cool i have definitely i have when i first started doing it we were talking about ghost and god when i first was doing the game apps with jab i would take it over there and i would do it that way uh but it's just a little it's just the, the payoff was not enough for me i guess anyhow yeah, that's uh, me, man. What about you? Uh, yeah, I am, of course, jamming on Ultimate Exodus on NES for side quest shit. But I, yeah, I feel like we absolutely will have plenty to say about that when we do our next side quest episode. So I won't mention it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. uh, I am still playing the shit out of Dragon Quest Eleven, and I, I have not had a single puff puff since our last recording, and I'm fairly. <laughs> but but other than that, uh, it's cooked along very nicely. Still fun. And I fire the switch up and hit on Hades every now and again when I have a hankering for my hand cramping up for the button jamming or like when I flew to when I went to the AFC championship game, I was playing out of the play and stuff. Because obviously the portability of switch is nice. That's really yeah. the only thing I have left cooking. I actually just within the, I had a, a like I'd forgotten about Animal Crossing. I just fired it up a couple nights ago for the first time and like you know, all the all the villagers are like, We haven't seen you in forever, man. What's up? <laughs> <laughs> Do you have to shake the dust off when you, when you <laughs> Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like yeah, the the original one when you would leave, when you would not come back for a long time, your house would have roaches, and you would have what? to run, run around and squish them, you know, to, <laughs> to run around. And this does, I think it sucks that they got rid of that. That's such a, a fun little thing. I don't know. They probably think it's fucking cruel or something so to, crush, <laughs> to crush roaches. And they had to stay to take it out at some point over the years. But I thought that was a really fun thing that I missed, or that I missed from. <laughs> 
Uh, Amy and I will periodically jam on Minecraft Dungeons still when we need a crawl fix. Uh, we're almost to the end on that, I think. Uh, for the first, you know, until just very recently, I thought I, you mentioned you would beat it, and I was like, oh, beat it? Like, what do you, you just randomly pick these things? Like, what do you mean beat it? There just doesn't seem to be a story. What? Yeah. <laughs> but, what? You got to defeat the Arch Illager, man. What do you mean? Uh, well, I knew that, <laughs> but like, I didn't see any like actual route to that, and we just found a few levels on the bottom right there of the map that were like, okay, we're gonna yeah. And we also been playing. We just started playing a little bit more Hyperdot. Uh, that fucking dot game. Yeah. Nice. Oh, Dan told what do you think? Has, I mean, it's fantastic, but she has the same one more problem. She does when we play Dr. Mario, like she like, you know, especially if <laughs> I'm just ass. She'll, <laughs> she'll like, one more, one more, one more. She'll be like, we're done. This is the last one. And then like something stupid will happen. Like one more, one more. One more. <laughs> <laughs> nice. From uh, and a half for sure. Never say die, Amy. Never say die. <laughs> yeah. 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 And yeah, we played you, you, me, and Jab played a little bit of Sea of Thieves. Always want to mention that because it's a fucking pretty cool little group adventure that we do. And we did the three man crew this time, just instead of instead of having a fourth. And we had those aspirations of looting amateur players, but it turns out that you and I are very much still amateurs ourselves. Not a cow with that. The very first encounter we had was our last, and it was just an NPC skeleton ship. And they like fucking rammed our ship and sunk us almost immediately. Uh, <laughs> that was by the we, we didn't like the first time, you know, we got our ass handed to us by that actual, by the, by the human player. Like it went differently because we were at an island. Like, getting fragged out in the middle of the ocean like that was a learning experience and seeing how that goes was kind of interesting you know but yeah we still have fun that game is that game is a lot of fun a lot to learn definitely there's no question a learning curve that we have not scaled yet but uh the last thing i would want to talk about is i just started fucking with the this game called the tourist on game pass have you played this i have not i've, I've just seen the icon what's it like it's fucking really good, dude. It's yeah, it's just for you know, listener reference. It's tourist with a Y, so T O U R Y S T. And the first, I mean, first of all, it's cute as fuck. Like the the art, it's it has like a like a really serious Minecraft Lego thing going on on the end game artwork, you know. But way cuter, way cuter, and way more fun too. I would say it's like I don't know, it's it's. The game never takes itself too seriously, and I always like that kind of deal, you know. And despite that super cute art style, there are visual aspects of it that are just flat out stunning, you know. It, it's like the sun effect on the islands, like the, you know, you can't, you can't ever, it's never like, you know, it's not like a pretty sunset where you can see the outline of the circle. It's like this like blinding light that kind of just looks really fucking cool in the distance, you know, because you're the whole thing, tourist, you're on islands, so you're in like, you know, tropical. Uh, environments and stuff so it's sunny as shit of course and yeah that's really cool there's like this distance based blur effect that the game has that kind of I guess the idea in the physics of it is you know you're in a hot environment and that can kind of give that like ripply look when you're looking at things oh, in the yeah. so it, it just I don't know exactly how to describe it but it feels really right and it adds something to the visual of the game for sure and yeah I mean both those things uh, coupled together it, it, it's kind of like we talk about with Sea of Thieves, where you have this, like, mashing up this really cartoony art style with, like, these incredibly, in the case of Sea of Thieves, the, the ocean, like, these incredibly mind-blowing, realistic aspects of the environment, you know? It's just, it's a really cool yeah. mashup. 
Nice. I might have to check it out then because I've noticed that game and I'm like, eh, I've, I've so many other great games. Like I can't start another one. <laughs> you know, you know I, I'm just in the second level, but it seems really good. The writing and in-game dialogue is clever and interesting. Uh, the like, the overall gameplay is it's action adventure puzzler deal. So there's like, you know, okay, it's not just mindless fucking running around and action stuff like you actually have to do these little brain teasers and stuff and, and it's it's pretty well done like the 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 handful that i've experienced so far like i said just getting through that second level i actually just posted the, the i posted a video on, on facebook from the like the in the first if you if you call that initial thing the trainer level the first level uh, it's yubiza not ibiza well, like y i b <laughs> so it's like this party island and i mean that's the thing like your character he's like got a fucking hawaiian shirt on he's got this shitty facial hair some sunglasses he looks like a total dickhead you know it's like the exact like kind of leisure suit larry almost type protagonist you know (laughs) so he's funny like you go to this party island and like one of the puzzle things was there's a dance there's a dj booth and a dance floor and all these people are out there and like it's not like there's a party meter at the top and it like it's just the party's not lit yet. And like, you got to go over there and you got <laughs> you to you go over there and do all these dumbass little things. You got to turn on the strobe lights and you got to turn on the fog machines. And then you got to plug this, some shit into the, sorry, if this is a spoiler for anyone, this was the part that I had a hard time figuring out, but you plug these things into the generator behind the DJ booth. And then like the party gets lit and everyone's fu- everyone fucking starts dancing and shit. And that's like one of the puzzles, you know? So shit like that. It's really fucking, there, there was a handful just on that first island that were really unique, really interesting little real-time puzzles that you had to figure out, and uh, it seems like a really, really fucking cool game. So, yeah, I highly, highly recommend it. I think. Nice. Anyway. I can go get the party lit. <laughs> yeah, get the party lit. Yeah, the, like, so the video, it's, it's funny, like the fucking little dude dancing there when you once the thing going, you see little, little you, you can, like, control him and kind of change the way he dances and shit. It's super cute. <laughs> <laughs> We're jamming on now. Let's get to this fucking mag so we don't have a four hour episode. <laughs> January 1990. Let's fucking go. <laughs> <laughs> in the 90s the cover price is 395 us dollars 495 canadian and i am still so put off on the top banner and its lack of consistency like I, every time we open up one of these issues I, I spend five minutes thinking about like why don't they fix that <laughs> like, <laughs> I know I no one cares company. josh <laughs> yeah, I, I know i don't I, it's, I know it's like a car wreck to me i can't look away <laughs> so yeah there's nintendo sega atari or brands and then TurboGrafx, Genesis, Game Boy are specific systems. If it's brands, NEC should be in place of TurboGrafx. It shouldn't be brands, though, because we have multiple systems from most of them now. So, I don't know, it's just such a bad look for a mag trying to present itself as an authority on the topic of video games to me. Like, it's just so, it's not right, you know? <laughs> or they're just presenting them in the way that people think about them. You know what I mean? Or maybe, because, I mean, they can't say Master System, because that's way too long to differentiate between sms and genesis but why not nobody said nobody said sms when we were kids like no one said sms i don't know i got the sega you said i got the sega (laughs) right sure (laughs) no no no, you know what i mean this is is how i thought about them i have an atari to not be making its decisions based on like 
the way kids are talking in lunchrooms. I don't think it's not fucking <laughs> not the way to make marketing decisions. <laughs> I mean, come on, you're oh, you have yeah. kids. Your kids, like, yes, they can have their own shit, but like, you as the authority figure need to be like define the system and like create structure in their lives. It's like that's your job as the authority. <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> for, for all the listeners at home, how, how would you change this? So Nintendo, Sega, TurboGrafx, Genesis, Game Boy, Atari would become what? It should be it should be NES, and that would give you the room to put Master System and TurboGrafx. I think you should have 16 there, too. And, <laughs> and, <laughs> and Game Boy and Atari 70. Seventy eight hundred, I think it is, is, is all all these games are right. I shouldn't say all the one or two games, Atari games they put in here are seventy eight hundred games, are they not? <laughs> I think so, yeah. So, so I mean, makes sense. I feel like the font would be a couple points smaller, which would make it even harder to see. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, the, like I said, you, if you get NES down to, I don't know. I think you could put NES SMS. You could do. No one said SMS. No one. No one said SMS. Any, okay. I don't, if you're, <laughs> I don't, I don't I want anybody who's listening leave a comment if you said SMS. I never said that back then, didn't they? That's not a people's. That's not a post-contemporary time or or term rather. That's that's that was how people referred to it back then too. Did they not? SMS. Nintendo. No. Yeah. NES. Yeah. People did say that. Right. So why sure. wouldn't? That's fair. I feel like I feel like it, you know this is like so speaking out of turn that e- either of us would even <laughs> talk about the way kids talked about their SMSs to other SMS owners. I like, like us, <laughs> you know, it's fucking uh, right. <laughs> completely, completely, uh, no lacking experience on this topic. Lacking expertise. <laughs> Anyways, the cover art is a horse-mounted swordsman with an Arabian vibe to him. <laughs> and he's, he's mid-charge, and it's cool enough looking, but I haven't the faintest clue what game it might be referencing. <laughs> oh, that was my exact comment as well. Like, what are we talking about here? Right, yeah. <laughs> my best guess going through the pro views is Eight Eyes for the NES. Like, it's got some themes in line with this, but it's not one of the cover mentions here. You know, I don't know. Shrug emoji. Yeah. Game, game shit. <laughs> <laughs> This one is signed by the artist, which I don't recall having seen before on any other covers. So that's seemed semi-notable to me. And it's Eric J.W. Lee is the, the artist. And Googling around on him a little bit, he has some Star Wars wiki credits, which is like, it's funny, like every one of these artists, that the other guy, the, the Francis Mao uh, guy that does the, the game, the cartoon, also has Star Wars credits. So that, that, I don't know. I don't know if there's some sort of link or, or overlap with Star War, with LucasArts, and this publisher's artist. Like, there's got to be something going on there for them both to have Star Wars credits. Or does just every accomplished artist of this era have Star Wars credits? Is, is it like a Law & Order credit for a New York actor? <laughs> you know? Never know, man. <laughs> uh, so the headlines on here are cutting-edge action. Check out the new TurboGrafx CD player. And this is our first hard look at a release CD peripheral, if I'm remembering right. And we didn't have any of it last year, despite the the it, like it came out in November. But I don't remember seeing it in any of the issues prior to this, you know, uh, game pro wise. So 
That is cool and interesting on the tech side. And we blast out the new year with hot new hits. And they list Double Dragon 2, Spellcaster, Golden Axe, Dungeon Explorers, or Dungeons Explorers, Dungeon Explorers. And tips, tips, and more tips. And a classic, Relive the Awesome Double Dragon. So is this maybe your favorite mag issue ever on deck here, given all this Double Dragon? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, let's go. (laughs) Very Double Dragon-centric issue. So we get into the mag here, and that ultra-tired Taito NES Skyshark full-pager is is the first thing we see here. And then we get the Sunsoft NES ad we've seen before as a Blaster Master pitch this time. So it's funny, they're repurposing this ad with different games on the TV, you know, so... They, they must really like this kid <laughs> or this ad rather. And so it's, it's the kid leaning into the screen with an NES controller in his hand. And this is, it's actually retrofitted for Batman in this case. It was the blaster master thing last time. And then we get a full pager. We haven't seen yet. This, this was a pretty fun one. This it's this Hudson soft ad that's they're, they're pimping out that NES controller peripheral, the, the joy card Sansui SSS, the, maybe the worst product name ever. <laughs> Dude, what? That's a terrible, terrible name for something. And the ad, the the tagline, it is, be there with the magic of sound. And it's referencing the fact that it has a stereo headphone jack on it with its own volume control, the, the actual controller does, which is cool. And it, that's actually the, you know, they're, they're legitimately, I'm pretty sure that is on the Famicom, the Japanese NES controllers natively. And obviously that did not make it to the, the U.S. release. So they're kind of really? just... Yeah, uh, supplementing with existing tech (laughs) and just slapping their own logo on it is really what they're doing here. But not the worst idea, I guess. And they have I did not know that, but dude, those look like airline headphones to me. Like that the the flight attendant just passes out to you. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) come on. Did you not have a Game Boy? I did have a Game Boy. Okay, well, that is probably the thing that I noticed most about these is those are Game Boy headphones, dude. The, the, that little red and, and blue thing. You don't remember those on the Game Boy headphones? I don't remember. Did I have oh, some yeah, headphones or something? I don't re- recall the colors. Oh, yeah, they had, the, they had the little red and blue rubber things right at the base of, of the earpieces. And the interesting thing about this is these have like those foam coverings on them, which the Game Boy headphones did not have maybe i'm just a psychopath remembering this so viscerally but the 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 game boy headphones did not have the foam cap on them like that but i mean those that those rubber things like that those are game boy headphones there's just no fucking arguing it whatsoever to me (laughs) you know so it's interesting (laughs) to me like this photoshop and they also like you know it's just like a bad photoshop job like the there's no way for those to stay on his head those are clearly in-ear headphones but they cover his ears like you know dj headphones i don't know it's just it's a very Goofy ass ad. There is a small thumbnail next to the pitch copy depicting some ultra waspy parents snuggled on the couch together, both reading their own book, and it is <laughs> captioned with "No more TV noise." So they're you know basically trying to rope in annoyed parents who have heard too much chip tunes out of their TVs lately, <laughs> you know, uh, buy this uh, to basically quiet the kids down. So I, I found that pretty funny as as their like angle, their marketing angle here, you know. Yeah. Sign me up. Advert made me happy. The the dope ass Kemko Seika Shadowgate ad we've seen uh, last issue then bridges us to the table of contents and they are still doing that shit cropping stuff on the table of contents. So <laughs> try to yes. uh, 
just fucking harp on that and just move along. The a, a new Vic Tokai full pager for Google 13 comes next. And this has really cool illustration artwork, dude. Like, I, I really, I dig this ad. And well, yeah, I mean, but it also says nominated for the best game ever. Like, <laughs> like, yeah, they're making shit up there. What the fuck are they like, talking what about? Like, what is this? Like, this, I, I, dude. dude, come on. I gotta say, though, it freaking worked because I'm looking at this ad, I'm like, cool art. Nominated for the best game ever. What? You remember False. This, let yeah, me let me go investigate. Game? So I had to go play it, and I was like, I played this game before. Deck on it? No. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's not the best game ever. No, this is a game terrible ever. game. Was, this is the, they they try to do a bunch of different games. It's one of those things where they try to do a bunch of different gameplay modes, you know, and they ended up doing a shitty job on all of them instead of just focusing and making honing in on one and making that good, you know, which is usually yeah. what happens with games like. I that. mean. It, it was cool. Like, I like the switches, but, like, it was really basic Atari-level graphics for sure. Like, it was okay, but just not... Yeah, the like, I, I like... stuff was terrible. So bad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Good good marketing, though. You, you, you wrote me in again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, it's a, it's a trench-coated secret agent stepping out of the shadows with a pistol drawn to confront some dude holding a woman hostage in front of a Benz. And, like, you can plainly see the hood ornament, too, on the, that it's a Mercedes, which I, I thought... Oh, was, yeah! Like, like you, would, <laughs> you would never see that in an ad today, I don't feel, like an illustration like this. Uh, but Not a not this not this game ad, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, exactly, yeah. It was a Mercedes ad, sure. But, yeah. So I, I thought that was a level of specificity that was interesting. And there is, for reasons unknown, a Black Panther creeping out from behind the car... <laughs> As well, as well, like this is downtown London, is my guess. There, you can see the Big Ben clock tower in the background, so I'm guessing this is London. And yeah, there's a panther creeping out from behind the car. For <laughs> like, I don't know, just like you know, they were just like, I don't know, like we need a little more secret agent shit in there or adventure game shit. Like, just put a big cat there behind the car. So, like, uh, I did not notice that before. That's hilarious to be a fly on the wall for that it's also so they're in front of a building labeled casino but it looks to be about as big as a corner deli like the you know the the window <laughs> behind the the bad guy there and i'm like i don't know i've never been to london so maybe that's how they do casinos there you know so i, I can't speak to it viscerally but it seems highly unlikely that that's the way they they roll with casinos there i'd actually be surprised to find out they have casinos in downtown london at all (laughs) (laughs) i don't know because someone confirmed but maybe it stretches here into the foreground and we're just seeing like the corner of it i don't know maybe i don't know it looks hey this is top secret spy stuff you gotta just go you can see that's (laughs) there that's that's a one level building you can see the sky right there above it if you look hard you can see like that purplish hue that they're using for the rest of the sky so no that's a one-story deli casino <laughs> <laughs> all right fine <laughs> yeah so yeah this yeah they have they have the, the the reviews featured here like i i can't believe i didn't think to do it I, I we need to go back and look at the march 89 nintendo power and find where this is set in it nominated for the best game ever like i just can't like nintendo power who they don't say that about there's that's just not something that would be in Nintendo Power. Like that's not a like where would that kind of like where would that copy that very very boastful about a game copy be in an issue of Nintendo Power? There's no way, <laughs> right? Like yeah. verify verification, please. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Like it, like I'd say they're just making shit up to be funny here. But the last one is super long and specific, you know. 
Excellent sound effects and music. The Secret Agent theme song adds to the game's suspense. And that's from Computer Guide to Nintendo Games 1989, which sent me down a little bit of a rabbit hole. So I, I looked up this Computer Guide to Nintendo Games thing. So this, like, I couldn't find a scan of it, unfortunately. Usually you can find scans on a lot of these things. But there are pictures of it. And it looks to be just some dude who wrote books about these old systems. And it's not terribly far from those How to Win a Nintendo Game books by Jeff Roven, the Scholastic oh, okay. Club Fair ones. Do you yeah. Those the, those the red cover, the blue cover, and the green cover, which I actually have one sitting behind me on my bookcase. The so it's, yeah, it's just like nice. it's just like the idea. I don't know. I wish it 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 it, it points out like how just wild west the video game industry was then. That just some like random like these people who just like thought of the idea like I'm just gonna write a book. Like it's just a fucking. It's like I'm just gonna talk about these games, make a book, and they probably made a reasonable amount of money because they're just it was not a saturated market at the time. You know what I mean? So. <laughs> the idea of just random well, he's he's not like any level of he has no industry experience he's not a developer like he's just fucking just a dude writing about video games and publishing books about well them. i mean how different is that from like any of these dudes publishing stuff on youtube you know if you're young yeah or like any of these people you're just like dudes talking about you. you're playing games and talking about them not yeah, working the in the industry the difference is it's a you know? like a, an actual legitimate publisher which the gatekeeping on was not you know you get a book published now a chimpanzee can do it on you know but <laughs> because of the the technology behind it but back then you had to like convince someone and like get a bunch of money behind it like printing a book was not a small project <laughs> you know you couldn't get them printed on demand by order like you had to like get a publisher to buy in and have thousands of copies of the book printed up. Like it was like a fucking vetting process to get a book published back then. And, you know, I don't know. You just have to, I would think you'd have to demonstrate some expertise, you know, or you should have to, but it's just, it, what it points to is just like, there was, there was such a demand for something that wasn't, uh, hadn't proliferated the way they, the way it is now that, you know, is the demand was so high. Like anyone was just like video games. Yes. <laughs> like anything. Like video games. Like, yes. Whatever you want. How much money do you need? <laughs> exactly. I'm like, he clearly convinced somebody that he had some kind of expertise because they were like, yep, deal. Let's do it. Yeah. Poking around, actually, for that scan led me down uh, like a separate fucking rabbit hole, too. I found a cache of 80s, 90s, and early 2000s strategy guide scans on archive.org. And I'm talking like it was a it was a, a zip file of over 500 of those puppies. So NES, mm. SNES, Genesis, PC, and more. Uh, the link to that will be in the show notes. But, dude, there were so many good ones in there. But the most notable was probably I found an official Enix Dragon Warrior 2 NES guide that I had not yet found. I had, I had found one that was a Dragon Quest 1 and 2 combo guide that was, like, for the Japanese releases, basically. Or uh. some, some, some later stage. Like, they were in English, but... Like, I don't know, they must have been, like, a re-release on the Wii or something. I don't know what it was. But it, was, it wasn't the original Dragon Warrior 2, for sure, on NES. And this one is the official guide for the release by Enix, the developer, for the NES version. So we are absolutely in business for that side quest now. Link will be in the show notes for that. But when we get there, we'll definitely be doing that. And we'll have proper documentation to do it with. And hopefully, yeah. you'll set about that than you are about Ultima right now. <laughs> Dude, I am excited for Dragon Quest 2. Let's switch it up. Let's drop Ultima. Let's go. Dragon Quest 2. Uh don't do things half ass. My dad always said, "Don't do things half ass." Is one of the few pieces of advice he had that was worthwhile. 
<laughs> finish what you start. And I discovered there is, there's a more comprehensive official strategy guide for Dragon Warrior 1, too, dude, than the one that we used from the Nintendo Power. The, the Nintendo Power pullout one that we used it was like 36 pages, maybe. There's a full, like, 70-page, way more detailed, way prettier, legitimate strategy guide for that that I never in all my life have known about. And really? I, really bummed me out actually that we weren't using that for the fucking <laughs> the side quest oh, that we man. yeah it's pretty the cool figures. a link to that will be in the show notes too so check that out if you are not familiar uh, don't have a copy sitting on your bookcase already and there was also a cool 30 page booklet for the 1990 Nintendo World Championships and that I'm not going to bother to try to explain it, but link to that in the, will be in the show notes too. And if you, you, it, it's something you know, and all the dumbass research I've done for these old games, particularly about that Nintendo World Championship stuff, because that's kind of been where we've been. You know, we just kind of passed through all that in the last few issues of Nintendo Power. So I've I've done a lot of research on that, and I'd never seen this. It's like it's like the, it's the book that they handed out at the, the satellite events. You know. Like we talked about how there was the one in Cleveland that I missed. Like when they when they did the, the, the <laughs> finds in the in the different cities, when you paid and came in, you got this book, you know. And and I'd never seen it before. It's like thirty pages, a lot of ads, of course, but a little bit of original content in there too that was kind of interesting. So nice. Check that out. And the coolest thing about this ad that we somehow haven't mentioned yet is the mail in cutout order form in the corner. I fucking love these. And you can send this in for a free comic book. And it's, we've actually mentioned there was a, I don't know if it was in the pro news or something from the last issue, but they've mentioned this before, how there's a graphic graphic novel series for Google 13. And I tried to find scans, no luck, but I was able to find some covers and shit. And we're actually using this. That's the first issue that they pictured there with the, like the close up of the Golgo guy looking through a, a scope, you know, on a gun. Yeah. <laughs> The letter from the editor is up next, and it's titled, It's the 90s. Indeed it is. So they are also excited about the decade change. And after that, we get those fucking HAL ads we've seen so many times. And that bookends the GamePro subscription pitch we've also seen over the next three pages here. And then it's mail time. What's your mail time focus, Jay? Overseas fans. Man, like it's... This to me is just interesting from a business standpoint. Like... They only like they can't get the additions right, that they yeah, want yeah. like on a regular basis. Like, it, just working in the industry, I'm like, man, how do you how do you work through like, oh man, now my product is is in is in demand, and like I gotta get it in different languages. I gotta try to get it to these places. I was just thinking like logistically in 1989, 1990, how difficult that would be, you know? For sure. Yeah, I mean, I I like how you know it, it's you know he's saying this dude is saying that like he's he has like I get perhaps one issue every four months and it's one or two editions old. So like, yeah, you know, like how hard is he fighting to get his hands on? <laughs> you know, like he's like <laughs> fucking working probably hard as shit to get that antiquated issue. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's, it's very interesting that like they're working that hard and like, he's, you know, and that's the thing, like he, it's, it's even though it's outdated information, it's just it's insatiable. Like we were just talking about with those books, you know. It's mm -hmm. like like he I just he cannot get enough of it, even though it's borderline useless to him now. <laughs> you know? yeah. So yeah, like wow, this is great. I could uh, pass, give this to my little brother when he plays the game now. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah, and, I, and they, like, like Game Pro's answer is like you know you can 
become a subscriber and there's international options. Like, don't worry, we'll figure it out. It might cost you an arm and a leg, but we'll figure it out. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, like how much more are we going to charge him because we've got to ship it through this carrier to this yeah. country and then route it this way? Like, man. Yeah. Uh, got to get your gaming on some way. Got to get that fix in. No doubt. I like the second letter from Kent Smith of Dalton, Illinois, and it seems fake as fuck to me. That's what intrigued me about it. It's like, even the name <laughs> sounds 100% made up. Kenneth Smith is like, you know, John Smith. <laughs> but yeah, but this last paragraph that itemizes aspects of Golden Axe, he would like to know about, reads like a marketing intern bot at Sega wrote it. <laughs> like, I, I also want to know about the three brave fighters you can pick from. And like, that's not a real sentence that any human being would ever write. <laughs> about the yeah, three, like, the three like, brave fighters. Yeah. No, brave <laughs> fighter. That's not an adjective that gets used in a real sentence by a human being in that context. No way. <laughs> like, like, is he saying, like, give us, like, can you find details of the backstories of these people like, I, I think so like that's, yeah exactly that's what i mean it's just like it's like they're just like there's it's like a bot there that is just like grabbing at straws for questions like just randomly generated questions about a property it's just like it is not yeah it doesn't really like a fucking human wrote it to me either that or someone like they have an intern whose English is not their first language. Maybe it could also get you there. <laughs> it's possible, but Kenneth Smith from Dalton, Illinois. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it does not sound. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like he's. It's not like he's been rock and roll with English his whole life for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Unless he just moved here and that was just like the name he picked out of a book, which would make a lot of sense. Like they, True. you know, like sometimes when move and they just like they need to, they need to localize their name. They pick like really stock, you know, antiquated fucking names. So maybe that's what it's about but yeah that's, that's all that said, i'm also hyped about golden axe on genesis so you know i feel you kenneth uh, at least I the sentiment i did if not the the application so agreed, man agreed yeah, yeah we're, we'll get, we're getting there it's i think it's the first might be the first proview but the or the first genesis proview anyways the willow and bases loaded nes ads that we've seen before get us to the cutting edge to talk about the cd-rom add-on for the turbografx 16 and as I mentioned, it's the first time we're seeing one of these peripherals for a home console. So let's fucking rock on that. The price tag is 399 bucks, which even GamePro calls steep. Usually they're like relatively um, supportive <laughs> about just about <laughs> the feature in the mag, especially if it's going to get its own like article like this. You have to assume that there's a little bit of dough coming their way for that. So they're usually super, I don't know, I mean, that's pessimistic to look at. And they wouldn't have some sort of like, you know, independent editorial integrity about it. But anyways, they, they point out that the titles for it are sparse with only two being mm -hmm. available. At the time. So that's all the more like 400 bucks for something that you really can't even get any software for is <laughs> that's rough. <laughs> oh, for sure, man. I mean, they referenced the MTV like music. I mean, it's it's. It's, it seems entirely unnecessary unless you just want to play CDs for music in the background. <laughs> right, which, that, that's know, my takeaway. That's not, you know, I didn't get a CD player until, shit, dude, it was like 1995 or something. I got my first disc, man. I was, uh, I don't know, I, I, like, freshman in high school and got my first, like, if you want to call it, groceries and could afford something like that. You know, that's, I didn't have one. And uh, we've talked about it before. It was like, I would, like, plug it into the auxiliary of my the shitty hand-me-down stereo I had, and that's how I, like, facilitated CD music at home. So, you know, it's not like every kid had a CD player, so, like, that dual usage is not by no means worthless in 1989, for sure, you know? So true, it's, true. it's notable to say that, uh, you know, the... Again, it's just the... And I don't know, see, the, the nearest comparison to this would be the Sega CD, which doesn't hit for another three years, you know? 
92. So, and the MSRP on that was 299, which is not cheap either. So it's, you know, three years, a hundred bucks for similar technology. And that's not you know, kind of reasonable, I suppose, but you know, you can make the argument that Sega CD wasn't exactly a gangbuster peripheral either, but yeah, they, they mentioned that a CD can hold 550 megabytes of data and how that is 2000 times more than the 256 kilobyte game cards, the TurboGrafx-16. So like, they, like, they're basically careful to point out that no game will be using anywhere near that added space anytime soon, you know? So again, just kind of like it's, it's superfluous, I think is the, the, the good word for it. You know, it's just like, it's, it would be cool to say you have, but the actual you like day to day utility of it is almost nil. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like the only, yeah, the only thing that it really does yeah is that definitive jump on the music front, which allows for full on CD quality sound of music. So, you know, the, they do at least play that up and then in that the it, it operates as a detachable standalone CD player. Like even even to the point, like, yeah, sure, like that probably no big deal, but it comes with a carrying case that encourages you mm. to do that and tote it around and use it as a CD player. You know what I mean? So they at least were self-aware enough to know that was probably their best angle on this. So I like it. And and I wonder like a system like this, if I was an adult when this was released, you know, a working adult like I am now, able to afford things, I wonder if I would have bought this, you know, like knowing that sure. the, the titles are sparse, but like, hey, this is appearing, it could be cutting edge, CDs are, are out now, and, you know, cassettes are becoming less the thing so maybe this is something i want if i can afford it so i, yeah, I wonder how different my thought process would be for sure yeah it's very interesting to think about because you know that it's you can't look at it the same way now because you know now as adults in that position you just described it's after a lifetime of already being this like you have to get on the train as an adult for to, to you know i don't mean the fucking atari had been out for a decade so that's not entirely true i suppose but it, it, it is it's still different to me than than a lifetime of like uh savviness about this stuff you know it, it, it was still i think like its own weird side tangent thing that you're not sure is gonna last maybe <laughs> you know, you know I mean? so like it, it <laughs> yeah. probably, as a responsible adult like part unless you did just have you know uh, a, a great deal of disposable income it, it probably still it had to be pretty hard to fucking buy into stuff like that you know that was so expensive i mean yeah i mean as a kid i look at it like unless you're a rich kid you're just not you're not sniffing this you're not coming anywhere near this <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i'm sure yeah some people had it you know clearly it didn't most people did not have it but somebody did so just curious what their motivations and thoughts were i'm wondering if they're similar to what i just described you know for sure we should put it on apb for someone who bought it at the time and, and like see if they can give us their psychoanalysis of what their mindset was when they did a really in-depth <laughs> really in-depth examination of this topic <laughs> <laughs> so following that we get a couple new full pagers peppered in here there's american sammy's twin cobra for nes and this ad looks like a great schooler put it together i would say we've talked about the game already it's a helicopter shmup not very good and then we also get hot bees black bass and this is a pretty cool looking ad. I think I, I like it a lot, actually. It's got a kid in his half-submerged living room in front of his TV, like half-submerged in water living room, in front of his TV with an NES controller in hand. And there's a bass, like the fish, 
bass jumping out of the boob tube in front of him and like his nes and a baseball are just floating in the water behind him you know in the background <laughs> this is very cool mm, i don't know artistic interpretation of this game being so real it's in your living room now you know no even for someone like me who i don't care for fishing <laughs> generally the ad makes me curious i'm like what's the game is it interesting i'm like no it still has to do with fishing no yeah i mean the game dude it's we've talked about it a couple times now and like it gets shit on but it, it's a legit fishing sim man like on nes it's legitimate simulation of fishing and i yeah i just i will i maintain that it's you know you there's no you you could not play it from a modern mindset you to enjoy it you would have to sit down and put yourself in 1989 shoes for sure like you're not gonna if you look at it like compared to i, I actually saw a title on game pass a fishing game and i thought about downloading it just to get an idea of like the difference between a fishing simulation oh, yeah. now and this game but uh, I didn't do it. <laughs> so like, I'm yeah, sure it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it probably yeah, it's probably fucking awesome, man. Uh, and considering I, it's, we've talked about how fishing is something I would love to do, but probably never will. <laughs> I should download it just to check it out. But yeah, I don't know. And I have the I I've reclaimed the cart. Or sorry, I've gotten the cart. I didn't even have it as a kid. It was just like a rental thing that like I would I would play here and there at kids' houses and shit. But my memory of it is a, is a fond one, and I and I I maintain that it was a for the time a a very good attempt at this idea even though maybe you know it wouldn't be a blast to, to play present day hmm. pro classics is next it's a two-pager featuring double dragon for the nes they don't mention the nes part until the very last paragraph which leads me to believe they just assume you just assume it's nes <laughs> and i find that <laughs> you be, just know <laughs> right yeah i find that to be another sms slight in my opinion you know but that's not just stated because this was available on the fucking sms Dude, I mean, I, I love that they're giving it the respect it deserves. I mean, it's it's interesting that they're doing it now, though. But I'm like, why? Like, I in in the timeline, I literally just beat Double Dragon Two. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I was gonna it. say, like, it's clearly just to like play that up, like in case you didn't know. Right? Yeah. Like, no, it's a supplementary <laughs> marketing. Like, I'm sure fucking Trade West uh, paid for. You know, like. What can we do here? They sat and brainstormed on the phone for seven minutes, and this was the idea. Well, we'll feature, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just love I mean, the, the classic double D key art is so fucking cool. The two dudes. Oh, yeah. Their arm up like that. It's, it, it gives me hardcore nostalgia fuzzies for that Tiger Electronics LCD handheld I had. And just in general, <laughs> it's, just a, it's just a really cool piece of artwork that I lo uh, love. The second pro tip in here about what reads to me as a grinding glitch is convoluted as hell. And. I can't even imagine trying to figure this out at age seven. It's the the like the thing with the you gotta like glitch oh. the fence there, you know? It's like I don't know. Like it's so interesting nah. an entire paragraph exp you know explain this like it's just part of the flow chart of the game where you know it's it's glitch. <laughs> <You know? laughs> like how 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 accepted that aspect of gaming was. Like that would be this would be an entire podcast on how the game doesn't work now. <laughs> <laughs> right like if you do this if you right. go here you now right. like it, it's just terrible the developers they don't care about the game and we're right. just like here, it's a feature a check tip. this out it's a hot tip no yeah it's <laughs> different in mindsets uh speaking of hot tips there's definitely some of those in here that are not glitch based and uh some of them do feel familiar actually one that is actually a little glitchy the the getting rid of the chin on the ladder area like i remember that that's like a 
I don't know, that was, must have been in some book I had or something as a kid, because I remember doing that. You could just like, you could go up the, the ladder and see, once you see the chin, and then go back down, and when you go back up, it'll be gone. <laughs> you know? <laughs> uh, you could fucking, uh, hey, game sometimes game. you gotta game the system, man. <laughs> right. And I would like to point out that I knew that that baddie's name was Chin purely from memory. I did not need to look that up or anything. So, I don't know. I just I would like praise for that, considering Double Dragon was not my thing, Jay. That, that I, I knew that character's name. <laughs> Much respect. Much respect. <laughs> so, next we have Hot at the Arcades, and it's just one page this time. And the, the copy here is itching for some fast-track action. Here are two driving simulators that should have coin-op speedsters putting the pedal to the metal. Drop a couple of quarters into the gas tank and remember, speed thrills. So they have a theme for the feature this time, and they acknowledge it. And I thought that was kind of cool. Usually there's just like a random smattering of arcade games. So yeah. I like I the yeah. specificity in there of having to – mentions having to drop two quarters into these machines, not just one. And to me, that reads as they were surely the sit-down cabinets that required like a premium – investment to play you know what i mean not not just like oh, stand yeah. up normal arcades so that's like a i don't know that's just a very of the time thing that like you had to be in arcades at that time to even understand that oh man that economy you, you know <laughs> hey that's important information that that lets you know whether or not you have four games to play or two <laughs> yeah man. your 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 little Chuck E. cheese quarter dispenser on your belt is only whole only has so many tokens in it so <laughs> <laughs> yeah uh, important and like well yeah how, how long you're going to be able to sit in that thing is it worth it yeah and and you, you definitely yeah you definitely develop those economies in your mind as a kid like yeah once you, you play something you're like fuck that like there's no like, i you know that's way too hard i'm not getting enough time out of that i'm never playing that again <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's yeah. definitely a one quarter game though i would say racing games like that usually had pretty good value like you know you're usually getting at least like a full run through a course or a stage you know what i mean like you don't usually get the you know you can't you know racing games don't have like a a guy just can't just pumble check you out of nowhere you're like you're you have a usually a timed racing thing mm -hmm. and if you hit certain benchmarks throughout the run your game continues and usually that's easier to do than some customary fighting game that maybe you're not so good at you know what i mean yeah so. and that's i mean that's a reason why Nowadays, even when you go out to a place where there's arcades, we're still playing those games. Like they're fun. You get a lot of value out of them. <laughs> and yeah, it's a lot more than two quarters now in most cases. So <laughs> the the actual <laughs> games here are Super Monaco GP from Sega and Hard Driving from Atari. And Super Monaco is a Formula One racer, so very much predicated on speed. And I'm pretty sure I played it one time or another. But all the like, especially the Sega ones, there's so many of them. Like these racing games totally run together in my childhood memory. So I, I'm not entirely sure. But if I haven't played this one, I've definitely played some Formula One racer, and it was no doubt the same shit. You know what I mean? So yeah, Sega put out a lot of these games that were very similar, in my opinion. Yep, for sure. I mean, it's it's interesting. They're so popular. Like I've personally been thinking like literally yesterday i was considering buying a racing wheel for our xbox j yeah. just so i can play forza like much more immersively you know there's i feel like i'm missing out no way i would dump that it's like it, honestly and the biggest problem with it is like you know where do you fucking even store that <laughs> dude i got i, I got places i yeah. ain't worried about that <laughs> yeah I don't. I'm always. Uh, I already have enough clutter. I don't. I don't. I don't want. I don't like racing games anywhere near enough to, to dump that investment into it either. Yeah. But 
The other one here, hard drive, and I have definitely never played an arcade because it would stand out to me hardcore, seeing as the Genesis port was a big part of Jab and I's childhood. We've talked about that before. I have scored it from the, the video game shop not too far away from me. Last year, I think, pre, pre-COVID, when those still were an existence, an existence thing. The, nice. the port is very crude and slow on Genesis, but it's still a genuine attempt at 3D on the system, and is very fucking fun. There's like a, a separate there's a, there's a speed track and a stunt track you can take in the game. And there's a, a ton of quirky little aspects that make it more interesting than your average racing game. Like there's a on the stunt track, there's a or maybe that's a speed track actually. But the, there's a cow you can run into that's like standing outside of a barn, and, and when you wreck into things, there's a cool windshield breaking animation on your screen. You know that. Oh is, yeah. <laughs> and when you do wreck and die, it does a replay feature showing a 3d view of the wreck from a bird's eye view. You know what I mean? Which is just things you just normally didn't get back then, uh, especially on a Genesis port of a game, but even in the arcade, I would say, you know, there's a lot of like little very quirky, interesting aspects of it that made it that differentiated from your average racing game of the time. Yeah, man, I played both of these in the arcade. I, and, and a lot of times same, it's the same thing with me. A lot of times these kind of blur together unless there was some standout feature, but I, I specifically remember both of those titles yeah. and they're both fun. Yeah, you could. We used to on the stunt track. It had one. It had a loop, you know, and you could, you could, you could, uh, governor your speed just enough to where you would get halfway up on the loop. And like when you got basically when you were like parallel to the ground, you could just fall. <laughs> your car would explode. Yeah. You know? So like we used to, you know, the stunt track uh, offered a lot of things like that where you could just kind of like try to break the game basically. And that's, you know, replay value that most racing games don't have. <laughs> oh, so we are next checking in with Todd Arino for the Adventures of Game Pro comic. And this one is called Chapter 5, Showdown with the Count. And they are paying off that Castlevania tie-in they teased in the last issue. So Tadarino is immediately rocking a Morningstar whip on arrival. So he comes in awfully powered up for this game world, was, was what I thought right. about. <laughs> yeah. Hey, and he's a game pro. Maybe that's... I, I guess, know, yeah. Maybe codes yeah, automatically. Yeah. 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 <laughs> they should have that in the story where he just like comes into it and he's like, ooh, I'm going to punch in that thing, I remember. And they could, they could that, that, <laughs> that would give them a narrative tie-in to put codes of some kind in the actual comic you know that would be i think a fun little breaking at the fourth wall but they don't do that here they're not uh, uh francis mao is not at that level yet he's, he's still still a work in progress have you ever seen a morning star in person jay do you know like have you ever seen a morning star do you know I what i'm talking about? i don't think so okay so my uncle ted being a D nerd at one point has one he got from i actually texted him about it and asked him like where the fuck did you get that thing? And my aunt, his sister went to Spain or something when she was in high school on a trip and she bought this for him. And so the one he has is a, it's mace style. So like it has like a straight wooden handle. That's pretty like the handle's pretty light, but it's, it's I almost want to say maybe bamboo, but it's got a, a wooden handle that's maybe two feet long. And then it has a, like a short, maybe less than a foot iron chain attached to the top. And attached to the end of that chain, the other end of that chain is a solid iron ball, dude. And I would say it's a little smaller than a tennis ball, like as far as actual size in your hand. And it's covered in pointed spikes 
that are all about maybe an inch long, you know, and some, some, Golly, so, yeah, dude, it's <laughs> dude, you hold in your hand and like the weight of the ball, it's, I mean, it's iron dude. So it's like solid iron and it's so fucking heavy. Like the idea of swinging it full force and hitting a human being in the head, like, oh my God, <laughs> like, it, just, it, just, it would be so fucking gruesome. Like, I, I just, I cannot, I just can't believe human beings used to fight with shit like that. Like this animals, dude, it's fucking, it's, I don't know. Like it literally makes my skin crawl to think about it. Hold it in your hand. You know, it is. Yeah. Just, right. uh, I actually had him send me a picture of it. I'll post it on our socials here after the when that episode post. Maybe I'll use that as our keyword for it. Or something. <laughs> like, like it's just, it's, I know, it's just incredible to me that human beings, like it's, it, it, it's, it's got, if it's not, if it's not, like, you know, it was fucking made now, not fucking whenever the hell, 1600s or whenever the hell, something like that would get used in the actual battle. So I'm sure there are some technical differences <laughs> to the specs <laughs> of it. But, I mean, you know, it's it's got to be pretty fucking close, even if it is just supposed to be a replica. It, you know, like the idea that, yeah, that, that human beings use those in battle is just fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, it's, it's nuts. I mean, it's it's a a fun thing in a game maybe when nothing's real. But, like, the idea for real of, like, oh, swinging that at somebody, it's like... Come on, man. Like, yeah, like the first time, like think, you know, like, just try to like really, Ugh. the first time, you know, it's young, basically young kids, like it's probably young kids were the conscripted soldiers uh, when it, something like that would be used. So like a 17 year old kid and the first time he has to, the first time you whack someone in the head with that. Because like, you know, you're not training on actual human beings with that motherfucker. So like the first time you're <laughs> seeing that is if you have the, the bad fortune of ending up in a battle and you actually hit someone with it. It's gonna be the first time in your life you see that. So like, you just like there had you had to have a moment of like, holy fuck! <laughs> How hardened you might have been by just the times of that of living at, at that time and being a soldier in that kind of environment. Like, there's just no way you can be prepared for what that actually looks like when you first kill someone with it. <laughs> like super fucking wild. Uh, yeah, he also had a fucking. I'm gonna say weird man. He had a. He also had a Rambo knife. With a, it had a full-on survival kit inside the like these two things were in his closet together. That's why they come to. That's why they're grouped in my mind. But yeah, he had like a dude. It was a full. It looked just like a fucking Rambo knife, dude. And it had a full-on survival kit inside the hollowed-out handle. So like a, it had like a little saw with like the rings went around the handle where it screwed in on the at the end. So you have the two little rings and then like a little coiled-up saw blade that you could use to like saw a fucking log apart that you need if you need to make a shelter or something, you know, and it had oh like gosh. fishing line with hooks and like, you know, a little thing of matches and just a whole bunch of little dumbass survival things in the handle. And I thought those two things to me, I used to just sit in the, yeah, they were like in his extra bedroom and I used to sit there at like age eight and just like look at it and like fucking play with it. And you fucking, which is probably the safest thing that it was available to me to play with at age eight. But <laughs> <laughs> Probably not, but you you you're still alive. That's exactly. Yeah, I, I made it through, but maybe it taught me a lesson. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's why what I thought of when I saw that was fucking his morning star. Anyways, back to the comic. Totorino has to take on Dracula, of course, and we find out once defeated that an evil Darkling has transformed into Dracula, and that's where the story's going here. And then they tease the next game they're gonna they're gonna have in the next comic, and. Todd is such a shift. <laughs> Todd is headed to the world of California games. And yeah, to say, to say the least, it's a very different vibe that I look forward to seeing how they dramatize into this story. You know, like everything has been kind of these more, you know, I don't know, just classic platformer type that Castlevania blaster master shit like that. So the idea of going into what is not really 
a fighting a, game <laughs> yeah a fighting adventure game like how is that gonna go you know the shit they're showing are like girls in bikinis and shit you know like where, where is that gonna go i mean he pops up in like biker shorts all of a sudden like what is even gonna happen high <laughs> uh, drama high uh, drama and world of game pro and then we have a couple of ads that are actually peppered in Throughout the comic there, we have Toho's Godzilla for the NES and the Sunsoft title holder ad with that kid again that we mentioned already. And this is the two-page spread version where we get that key art and then also like kind of the the swath of Sunsoft's entire library. Fester's Quest, Platoon, Blaster Master, Batman, and Spy Hunter. And the Godzilla ad is new, and I actually, this was pretty cool to me. They It kind of has, which makes total sense, I don't know, like how creative they thought they were being with it or if it's just kind of like that's eh, fucking whatever maybe repurposing of, of some other existing godzilla shit but the art has this cheesy 50s movie poster vibe to it that i hope anyways in my dream in my little dream landscape it's intentional uh design choice by them you know and it's just oh i'm sure it's gotta yeah. be i mean look, look at look how i mean even the way the word the font is godzilla monster of monsters i mean yeah that's definitely 50s monster vibe yep uh, agreed. And there's a blurb at the bottom reading to game purchasers, purchasers and players. For any questions about playing the Godzilla video game, please phone. And it's a crazy idea to me. Anyone ever calling that number to ask questions about Godzilla the video game? <laughs> you know? I can't believe that there was a world where that actually happened. It, is, it blows my mind, you know. Can we get anybody who may actually listen to this call, this podcast, if you ever called such a number or know somebody who called <laughs> yeah. such a number yeah. or worked in such an industry, I want to talk to you because that is fascinating. For sure, yeah. What kind of phone calls did you get on that number? Like, I just got, you know, like, <laughs> I, I am just one dickhead. And I got a voicemail last night on my business number that was like, it was insane. It was like a girl and a guy, they're in the, they're looking at some website shit of mine and they're like, they're like just it's like two minutes long and they're just talking and they're just like the one guy's like she's saying that my headshot hasn't changed since 2007 which is not true <laughs> like, you know grant it's like entertainment industry shit so like uh, there's just weird yeah. people somewhere like the fucking erica was denver who knows but like you know so like you get weird shit in entertainment period so it's a little bit different than this but just that you know anyone if you have a phone number you're just going to get some weird shit and if you have a, if you have a phone number that's getting publicized in any way you're going to occasionally get some weird shit. And like, I just can't imagine what the weird shit might've been for these people. <laughs> you know? Exactly. So there is not a single feature or ad in this entire first third of the mag that is not for NES title. So unless the comic is referencing California games for Atari or SMS, not NES, which I highly doubt because <laughs> they've always, yeah, they've only NES games to date. So I don't know. It's just fucked up. Sega, get your goddamn hat in the ring, you know? <laughs> <laughs> they'll they'll get there they'll get there a little later yeah, that's fine. actually i have some mind-blowing shit coming up here i think in the next section actually about that topic Uh-oh. teaser That was from the Rock and Ball soundtrack on the NES. Bringing us in. Nine Ball. Good, Nine, good track title. Nine. Yeah. 
So first up for ProViews is a free banger on Double Dragon 2 for NES, and they use the proprietary illustration artwork, but fiddle with the type and treat, treatment font for some reason. Like, I thought that was interesting that they use that, that artwork that you see on the game box and shit, but the actual title is different, and I wonder why. I wonder why that's the case. I don't know, but I dig it, man. I love the artwork. So. Oh, yeah. It's really good yeah. for sure. The Come Out Fighting section highlights the requirement to play on Supreme Master difficulty level if you want the last level and final boss to be accessible, which is probably quite helpful for many a gamer of the time. <laughs> like, now you tell me, too yeah, exactly. little, too late game pro, I just exactly. experienced this exact same thing yep. two weeks ago. Maybe God. we should, yeah, maybe we should be reading Game Pro instead of Nintendo Power. Maybe Game Pro is more informational than Nintendo Power is. <laughs> Man. H2 goes with Chopper for Helicopter, the only real way to go in the late 80s, early 90s. Jay, how's it go? Get to the Chopper! Hey, there's mention of a few more level names that I don't believe the Nintendo Power feature got to that I enjoyed. Forest of Death and Mansion of Terror, and they're just such extreme. <laughs> you know, they're just <laughs> so fucking high-octane. I don't know this game. All the all the stuff in-game for this is just so high-octane. I mean, that's that's why it's a classic. Speaking of LCD handheld dog shit, Acclaim tacks on their full-page ad for their line of those after the Double Dragon 2 piece here. And we've talked about those before. There there are two pages on Taxan's Eight Eyes for the NES after that. And this is a January release, so it is fair game now. And the title of the game starts with a numeral. So I've seen it at the top of the ROM list in that library. That I share with you for decades, <laughs> but have never tried. It. So I don't know, like I don't know what that means exactly, but it means something. <laughs> and the story they lay out for the game in the opening paragraph absolutely floored me. To be honest with you, here reading the piece, the artwork straight up looks like a medieval fantasy type deal. So I've always assumed kind of that's what it was. But the storyline they give here is it's actually post apocalyptic following a nuclear war that devastated the planet, which I just could not be further from what that artwork looks like. (laughs) And so after that happened, eight jewels were generated by the atomic blasts, and these jewels have been used to restore order in the world, but have recently been stolen and scattered all over the planet, and you have to go get them back in the wasteland is is kind of the setup for this. So I read that, and I was like, you know, I love post-apocalyptic shit, and... That was so far from my assumption that that alone requires merit or, or, or warrants merit, I think, you know. So mm-hmm. the, you know, kind of getting into it and firing it up, the the even further differentiating the game, your dude, his backstory is he's a devoted falconer, a term I had never heard before. And this means one who basically trains and is lives his life with a falcon <laughs> and like in, in on his shoulder, basically, you know, in essence. And yeah, you, the gameplay has that falcon sitting on your shoulder and it can be deployed for various purposes in the game. And even cooler, you can you you can play two player co-op with this game where one of you controls the dude and the other controls the bird. And that sounds fucking awesome to me, you know. That is, I, I mean, I just literally cannot think of another game where you have that kind of deal going on, where you have a two-player co-op thing going on where, with, like, a bird sidekick, you know, that, that has not been done. So, again, originality, super meritorious. <laughs> Merit, meritorious, meritorious, whatever the word is. So, yeah, I fired it up, and it's so messy. Like, I don't think it's really playable. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Josh, you're, the level of excitement you're sounding 
like that's coming through in your voice is concerning right now. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, okay, you brought it back to reality. Okay. Yeah, it was such a letdown. <laughs> such a letdown. That's called that's called a turn in 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 uh showbiz, Jay. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely just a Castlevania hardcore lookalike. The bird does not deploy reliably in my yeah, like, I can get it to go. I'm like, what right. is happening here? Yeah. Uh, and I, it almost yeah, it kinda like I wonder how much control the second player really has with that bird, you know, because yeah, your ability to do anything with it that I was able, and granted, you know, I think we always got to give these, cause we're not fucking instruction manual. And before these mag up forays with these games and like, you know, that's not really fair. So maybe it is more and more better <laughs> than, than we're giving it credit for here, but it doesn't seem like you have much control over that bird in the one player mode. And that, kind of fucking blows you know but 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 josh i actually did pull up an instruction manual oh did you help. okay it did I, I, help. I like the level of effort <laughs> talk to me talk I, to me. I, I tried like I, I don't have it open in front of me now but i i definitely pulled it up because i was like how do i get this thing to work and it just it, it gave me kind of like it showed like different things that i would encounter and all this but it didn't really like give me instruction like it would just it was it was unhelpful <laughs> I put it so I was, I was done with this game i was i was fail Completely. Yeah, just in general, I would say the controls are pretty sloppy and the game is pretty fucking ugly to look at. Like you can barely differentiate the outline of your character and the backgrounds. Like at least I, I played the Egypt level is the one I tried. Mm. Yeah, I, I could barely discern my character from the background, and that of course is not good. And yeah, I mean I, I didn't see anything in the level that lent itself to postmodern apocalyptic wasteland either. Like it, it just, yeah. Like, yeah, you said Castlevania, it, it just felt like Castlevania level, you know, there was nothing. Yeah. That was Which I, don't know, I don't know what it's supposed to be, like, you know, pools of toxic way. I don't know. Like what is it? What is what is supposed to be there? That, <laughs> feel that way. I don't know, but that's your job as a developer to make me feel that way. It's not my job as the player to, you know, figure it out. Yeah. So yeah, I will definitely suspend disbelief as long as you like, lead me but you gotta you gotta give me somewhere to go <laughs> yeah gotta drop some breadcrumbs for me to get me over there man i don't know yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah and that, i get yeah that was a bummer because i i was like you know i was kind of reading the piece like oh man maybe this is something that has just evaded me and that's always it, it happens there's one later in the game that are in the in the mag here that like just it just yeah. evaded me you know for 30 years and like that's totally possible but this one was was not that case unfortunately up next is a two diddler on an nes game called captain comic from a company called Color Dreams, and I'd never heard of either of those things before. The title is incredibly generic, not original, and I was banking on this being total dog shit going into it, going into it you know? And the story suggested in the feature makes the theme sound a little like a knockoff Sierra, a knockoff of Sierra's online PC series Space Quest. And I don't know if you have any familiarity with that at all, but. It's like this very quirky and tongue-in-cheek sci-fi comedy, I guess is probably the best way to put it. That I mean that this is definitely an action platformer here. Space Quest is a point-and-click adventure game, you know, being PC-based, but the just the theme, I mean, it seems very seemed very similar. So yeah. I tried to fire it up, but I had no ROM. <laughs> Which as we've always said is never a good sign. But I watched a few minutes of a play vid and I was Ultra thankful I did not have the ROM. <laughs> did you fucking look at this at all? Did you let let me tell you? So I, I thought this has some very unique artwork, and uh, I found the ROM. So I, I found a ROM and fired up. Man, it wasn't it, in our library, was it? 
No, no, no. I had to find it. Yeah, because those are it's always a puzzle with those because our, our, our the, the ROM, if we've never, if I'm sure we mentioned it before, but the, the ROM library we have is from that CD I got in like 1996. So all the files are it's still in like an old old DOS file naming convention. So every title of every file has to be eight characters or less. So like it's not always logical what the file might be named for a certain particular game so like <laughs> sometimes yeah. i look and like i don't find them and then later find them like oh fuck i did have it you know <laughs> no. no this one definitely was was we did not have it but yeah i found it and it it was an interesting side-scrolling platformer the controls were smooth but it was i was just kind of bored you know like until i got a better weapon but it just it's it's generic not something i would play now not yeah. just that like something very generic of the time. Yeah. yeah. When you haven't even heard of the developer, that means they were fly by night and they, you know, they probably didn't have a long lifespan in this business. And that means that they were probably trying to just cash in with some bullshit platformer stuff that had no effort behind it whatsoever in most cases. Yeah. You know, so, or maybe it was like their first effort together and it failed and they went their separate ways, but you know, they grew and maybe they're making successful games later. And this was like the failed first attempt, you know, perhaps. Yeah. I definitely did not do a deep dive <laughs> on the individuals themselves. The, you called them smooth. The controls to me looked, I would say loose. You know, it no, had that they, loose, I, slippery feel to it, not smooth, you know, which I, I suppose could be, uh, you know, tomato, tomato situation to some. But I mean, they, they were they're very responsive. I guess that's what I mean. Like, I I didn't have any problems with the controls. It just wasn't fun to play. It was just generic and boring. Yeah, and weird. That, that, that first level I watched, it had the same two bird enemies. And one worm in it. And a snake thing. Yeah, snake yeah. or worm. And I'm like, yeah. over, no, man. over and over and over and over again through the entire first level. The music was fucking awful. Like, it was, it was to me, it looked like what I thought it was, this is the stuff Friday night rental store nightmares are made of. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, We're, oh. Box art catches you slipping and you make a decision without, without due diligence and you spend the weekend just bummed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's honestly likely. I, I, it feels like one of those situations where somebody looks at Mario Brothers and says, "You got an Italian plumber jumping on mushrooms and then fighting turtles. Like, what's the difference between me shooting snakes and worms or whatever?" I'm like, "No, nah, man, it's a big difference. Like, you're just <laughs> yeah, this, you, you don't have first mover advantage." And this yeah. is not fun. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. yeah, some uh, nice Fisher College of Business fucking term there. I like it. The <laughs> <laughs> Quickly scurrying into SMS ProView territory now with Sega Home Cooking Spellcaster and Rabbit Hole Time, Jay. This, <laughs> this feature is by John Sauer, and that is a name I immediately recognized as the same that ran Seam Tega newsletter for a while, issues four through six. I remember seeing his name in there. And actually, did there was one of them that did like a piece. That's the one where he had like the – he's sitting at his desk and his feet are up, and he's like – he's just like – I don't know, because like this extreme Sega dude, you know, and so yeah, that's that jumped <laughs> really? out to me. I recognize that. Yeah, I recognize him immediately. So quick Google, and it is the same dude. And I found an interview with Ken Horowitz, or rather, an interview that Ken Horowitz did with him in October 2007 on his website, Sega 16, Sega 16.com. Link to that will be in the show notes, of course. So John started as a Tonka employee. And as as we've talked about many a times, Tonka was contracted to be Sega's like like they they marketed the SMS in the U.S. when Sega came over uh, with it from from Japan, and they did an mm -hmm. awful job. And there's so many things 
about the SMS's failure fall on Tonka's lap, I think. But so he was a Tonka employee. So that's how he kind of got wind of Sega, I, I assume. So he would kind of run that. He would do that for, 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 for Tonka and then left for GamePro and in late 89. So, you know, he was doing he, like but, but that Sega newsletter shit was part of Tonka's little plan, you know. So that's why he ended up in charge of it for a bit. And then he left for GamePro in late 89, around a little bit before we're looking at this issue here. And that move was no doubt instrumental in IDG Publishing, which is GamePro's publisher, was contracted to overhaul the Sega mag into what would become Sega Visions and Sar would become editorial director of Sega Visions. So that means mm. that it undermines everything we're doing. <laughs> like what? basically Sega Visions is a stooge of GamePro in essence. And the whole idea of having these two proprietary mags and then having GamePro, when I first designed this plan here a couple of years ago now, was that GamePro acted as an impartial third party from those two proprietary mags. And it turns out they're affiliated. And I guess I shit the bed on my level of research. And yeah, I don't know. Man. Whoa. Yeah, you know fucking shattered, <laughs> shattered my fucking reality. Like, I, it, it, it I, yeah. <laughs> so, so there is zero reason to review Sega Visions separately. I mean, that. Well, I would say the other way around. I would say basically Sega Visions is the Sega offshoot. I mean, it's still, you know, it's still, it's still the most close to the best proprietary mag for Sega. So losing that wouldn't make any sense. But GamePro's impartiality factor, especially once that get going, I mean, you could say to date, maybe, eh, you know, they didn't have that contract in place and therefore they were still acting independently. But But going forward... Yeah, that's yeah, man. I don't know. It's, mm. it's, uh, it, it makes like thinking about it. I, like I started thinking about it. It made so much sense to me. Like the aesthetics of the covers and the graphics work on the magazines. There's just it. It there's a lot of it. It feels really similar. The more I think about it, you know. We and we've talked about that. We've talked about the artwork. Like this looks like like our last podcast. I'm pretty sure I made a comment. Like this looks like the Alex Kidd artwork. Like, why is this like the same artist from Sega? Like, contracted to GamePro? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I feel really bad inside. We got, <laughs> so we got decisions to make. Are we? Yeah, yeah, are we yeah. GamePro yeah. going forward. Right. Yeah. I mean, do we swap out? Because there is like Electronic Gaming Monthly. I don't think has any affiliation, and it is. It is. I think EGM. EGM when I became a teenager was my go-to. Like right. EGM was my jam. Like I was always buying that for sure. But that was like obviously when I'm buying it myself, you know, from probably like 93, 94 one. Like once I heard of it, I like whenever it came out, I was all about it. I'm pretty sure if it's not it's got to be out by the time. If it's not out already, it's got to be out by the time Sega Visions actually comes onto the scene. Uh, but when yeah. does Sega Visions get released though? It's like June, I want to say June, June or July June. Of, of 90 here. So, yeah, we have, like, we're about six months away still. Crazy, man. Yeah. <laughs> In my fucking mind, I was sitting there just like, uh, like as I went further and further down the rabbit hole, I was just like, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, like, it's, it's funny because so going back to the interview with him, like he sounds like he thinks Sega, re you know, this is it was way after the fact. 
that that this interview was being done. So he he sounds like John. I mean, he sounds like he thinks Sega really fucked things up and, and closes out with this quote. I have to admit, I get a kick playing. I get a kick out of. I assume he means if I didn't. But maybe I just wrote it down wrong. But I have to admit, I get a kick out of playing Sonic on a GameCube. Like so, he's talking about how basically Sega died entirely across the mm. entire brand died, and then Nintendo bought it. And yeah, I, I remember. Yeah, I remember having that GameCube game, Sonic game, you know, and like thinking how weird it was that Nintendo now owned Sega properties like that. You know what I mean? So that's crazy. And I think. Yeah, man. I don't know. Yeah, it's that's something we should seriously think about is, is taking a look, <laughs> swapping that out. Otherwise, there's just no point to it. You know? Yeah. So we got six months, six issues to decide. Make a decision. Anyhow, Spellcaster is a quirky but interesting adventure game we've already talked about. I think it was in that last, that, either that very last or second to last Sega. Or maybe it was just in the game for I don't know, but we, we talked about the game for sure. It was like that, like super quirky RPG element thing, like with the with the password spell and stuff. We we talked about this. The artwork here is original for this feature because SMS box art blows and is signed by Eric J W Lee again. So the guy that did the cover art issue, I thought that was interesting. That like, I don't know, kind of it's exactly what we're talking about. Like you know, he's like Sega. John in charge of this, and he's like, man, you know, like he, John knows that the Sega art blows, so he's like, he like talks to the guy to the cover art, like, man, can I get a feature? You know, I'm doing this feature for SMS, <laughs> and their artwork sucks. Can we please, <laughs> like, you please do something cool for me? You know, so I, I thought that was pretty funny. Dude, and, I, it it works though because like I forget immediately because some of these games like are just not that memorable. Maybe I'd never heard of them, didn't play them as a kid, but like this artwork when it's good, like I think this one is. For a second, I'm like, wait, did I play this game before? Right, exactly. I'm like, oh, well, wait, yeah, I did. Never mind. Yeah, and the you know, that's, I <laughs> there's even a slimier thing that I think about as you say that is like how effective marketing is, you know, like brand awareness and stuff. Like it can make you second guess your life experience. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, wait a minute. Did that happen in my life? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe I that happened multiple times. <laughs> So we're looking towards the future now of Sega with Genesis Pro views, and there are three two bangers, uh, each on Golden Axe, Rambo 3, and Thunder Force. All are out, but easily the heavy hitter here is Golden Axe. It goes without even really any debate whatsoever. It's a port of their in-house arcade beat-em-up, and it is themed around medieval fantasy art and concepts. The arcade game series is fucking lit. I'd, I'd actually never played it until... I think it was the last time I was in New York, the barcade on 28th Street and like 8th Avenue is there. I like I was way I had like an hour to kill before I had to go to the airport after I checked out of my Airbnb or some shit. And I just went and hung out. Like I was literally waiting outside before they opened the doors up in the morning, you know, like fucking 9 a.m. Let me in the arcade. So I went in there and that was you know, literally with my luggage next to me that happened to be a machine. I was like, oh, I'll fucking give this a whirl and played with it. And it's awesome. The I think I th that one might've been Golden Axe too, but either way, same, same concept, of course. And yeah, fucking just really, really good games that I'm kind of bummed that I never really had on my radar when I was little because it, it, it was really good. So the, I, I, of course, in turn, never played the Genesis version either. So I was stoked to see how they did with the actual port, you know, and John Sauer, funny enough, was fired up, apparently, as he was sure to get his name on this feature along with Andromedia. And I don't think I've ever seen a feature two-handed in the mag before. Like, it's always just one person that does them. 
Although I'm looking at the Double Dragon one here too, and this is the Pro and AJF. So I don't know, maybe the bigger ones that they they do two people. But either way, it was it seemed significant that two people felt were devoted to it. You know what I mean? So. Got to got to promote yourself sometimes. <laughs> well, just I, I think also just like the anticipate anticipate like the excitement around a title though I think is what plays into that too. You know that like two people are like I give me that raise my hand I want it. Just <laughs> 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 on the clock playing that game sign me up. <laughs> so they they go over the differences in the three heroes you can choose from to start satiating that fictitious letter writer from the mail section's request, <laughs> which highlighted to me how the Sega arcade style beat-em-ups character selection options were always so similar. Like you have like that strong, slow brute, you have the agile, weak female, and then the balanced hero. And the other games I'm harking to with that are Streets of Rage and Alien Storm. If you remember when we played that. Um, oh yeah. Like those are both Sega proprietaries and you know, it's, it's the same exact three things to choose from skinned in different artwork <laughs> oh, yeah. and it, it's found throughout in many different games you know you got any kind of different variation of the big slow strong one the balanced one and like maybe the slender sleek you know quicker one or something distance one there's always some kind of variation for sure and it says in here there's eight levels in total and that three are new and not in the arcade version. And that's cool and impressive. Death Adder is the main boss's name, and that's a hot-ass boss name. I like a great deal. I and, do, too. Yeah, that's a really good boss name. And an arena battle mode is mentioned where you can fight various enemies in the game. And that's really good replay value added to the home version. Mm-hmm. I like that. And they call the game Magnificent. In the closing notes of the article, and that is quite an adjective for a game, I would say. <laughs> uh, yeah. Are do, do you? Was this a game that you ever fucked with? Uh, no, I definitely did not. But it, it it's one of those things that you know, as a Nintendo guy, I just never really had a Sega. So if I played it, it was maybe at a friend's house or something, or my cousin's house maybe, or in the arcade. That's pretty much it. And this is just not a, a title I played, but man, I picked it up. It's it's hilarious. Like the copy here is hilarious at times. I was like, why are there chicken stingers like in freaking Altered Beast or whatever? I'm like, what is this corniness? So I, I'm kind of like having low expectations. This is a really fun freaking game, man. Oh, it's so like good. it's dude, funny you say I, Altered I, Beast I, too. Dude. The 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 title screen feels exactly like Altered Beast. Like just it's you know what it is. It's it's that early arcade port style. It just feels like yes. it, it feels like it should have flashing over top of it insert quarter. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes, it does. Yeah. And I love that. Maybe that's just a nostalgia pull on me yeah. in the graphics. But, like, it's it's really fun. Like, I picked the girl, and, I, I mean, she's wearing virtually nothing. Okay. And so it's, like, cool. But, like, the <laughs> graphics are really cool. And, like, she's running around smashing people. I, it's – I just had a, a blast playing it. Like, it, it's, it's a really fun game. Nah, yeah, it is. I mean, John's right. It's magnificent, dude. It's it, Like, it, it looks great. The controls are fucking great. It was my – I, it was actually the first time that I had tried my six button Genesis arcade stick that I bought my, for myself for Christmas. For like, I mean, I, like when I first got it, I like plugged it in to see if it worked, and like, I think I fucked around with a couple games on my actual hardware. But like where I sat down, and, like really played something where it was a helpful tool. You know what I mean? It was like a good tool to have for an arcade beat 'em up like this. They are the stick. I, I can't recommend getting one enough, man. Fucking bu- go on eBay and score this. It's for Genesis games going forward. It's so nice. Like the joystick is so like sturdy and good. <laughs> it's mm. so much better than the the, the D pad, in my opinion. But anyways, yeah, the the your character sprite looks 
like but my one visual critique i would say like that your, your character sprite kind of looks a little separated from the background and the enemy sprites like almost like it's on another plane raised up from those you know if that makes mm. sense like it just like it, it just it seemed i don't know there was like a slight differentiation kind of like old cartoons like how you can always tell when something is going to move on this background screen because it has to be it's going slightly different color than the rest of the background you know? oh i could see that yeah, yeah so that, that's kind of that's like whatever that art thing behind that is just because it's it's your main sprite there's probably some level of different artwork or color palettes or something being used and it just looks a little funny you know but other, i mean it's obviously a super petty gripe. other than that it looks fucking incredible yeah the creature mounts you can get are awesome the like the enemy sprite variance is is really vast and, and cool the music is awesome it's just a fucking it's just a really really good game you know yeah must agree yeah i would say maybe maybe a half click below streets of rage tier as far as the genesis beat em up spectrum goes but easily right on right on par with alien storm and and you know similar like very good genesis beat em ups so game i mean to, it would be an understatement to say it is game at material for sure <laughs> yep <laughs> agreed yeah very good yeah and it's just you, know, you it's like you mentioned kind of your history with it like it, it, it's it is it's just from that era and i there's again there's another deep sega history dive that i didn't fully have my mind around that uh something sparks later we'll, we'll talk about but it's just from that era of genesis pre kalinsky pre sega visions when they were first getting started it's just a weird era that just for some reason feels funny to me, you know, and that <laughs> yeah. I was not exposed to. And I just, for some reason or another, never like that Shinobis, the Altered Beasts, like those big games from even like I just because of the novelty of it, I fucked with uh, the Michael Jack Moonwalker game, you know, that I remember renting or something at some point or another, just because, of, again, the novelty of it. But like there's, there's just a bunch of games that are in that like black box thatch era that I you know, just for some reason, never was inclined to go back to. And I find it so weird that it just, that I have that sentiment towards it. But Hey, but sometimes there's some gems you can find. I'm, I, I definitely think this is one of them, man. It's most just, of them. Most of these, that's what I mean. Yeah, like the Shinobi, the Shinobi is fucking great. This is great. Altered Beast was much better than I anticipated it being, you know, after having played on the yeah. SMS and being disappointed. And it's just, yeah, there's a bunch. And Moonwalker is a cool game. I know. I remember that from firsthand experience as a kid. Like, yeah, just, there's a bunch of good shit back there. And it's just so weird that I never... Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's you think about it. You, these games are getting promoted, and really, we're too young to for our parents to really be getting them for us right now at this point, and so we kind of miss out on them really unless we played them, unless we had some other way to play them. At least, definitely in my in my situation, and so later, you know, I'm going to play whatever's current, and I just never went back to play. I, but I, don't, so I feel like, like a game like this. You say that, but like, like. How do I know? For me. Like, I, I, I don't feel like age 10 me that gets gets his Genesis. I think for Christmas in 1990 is when I got it, maybe. Maybe 91. Uh, uh, okay. Actually, yeah, so probably like right 90, there on the cusp. Probably 91. It's, it's probably super late, actually, in the Genesis. Because, like, I mean, I didn't even get my NES until, I think, third grade, which would have been... A Chris, Christmas '89, maybe. I don't know. I need to sit down and just make that timeline because I, I every time I think about it, I, I can't figure it out. So I get an understanding of my life. But anyways, the like the idea of me standing in an aisle once I got the Genesis and being able to differentiate, like, oh, that game is old, 
I just don't, mm-hmm. I don't feel like I had that brand awareness. I really don't like And honestly, it probably would have been easier to talk them into buying what likely were cheaper games, <laughs> you know? So there's just a million reasons why I don't know that it, they seem so distant uh, and, and not of interest to me as a kid, but anyhow, the next, the pro view here is rainbow three, which we've, we have talked about previously and God damn it. I love this movie. <laughs> rainbow three is what might be my favorite eighties action movie, even though I think it might've been early. No, I think it was 89 that the release date was, but anyways, the, 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 the blue glow stick scene and like, he's like in the cave and he's with the dude and he like, Takes he's got his little gear packed and he takes out the little it's like those little snap glow lights from like skate rinks is what I think of for some reason <laughs> like like he snaps he snaps one of those and turns it on and like the the, the like his Afghan sidekick is like what the hell is that and he's like it's light blue light it's like what's it do it's like, it turns blue <laughs> such, a, such a good comedy uh, action movie comedy moment it's so good and the guy's just like oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> but uh but yeah the and then the, there's also the Troutman Colonel Troutman I don't know anything about any missiles scene where he's like <laughs> being interrogated by the Russian fucking outpost leader you know just such yeah. a good scene and also the Rambo versus attack chopper scene where he fucking is single-handedly bet him and Troutman are single-handedly battling a fucking attack helicopter <laughs> it's, it's, the, it's the apex of 80s action cinema in my opinion so love the fucking movie, but I tried this game before, and I remember being completely underwhelmed. And oh, for sure. Did you? Yeah. So did you? Not this time, this? but I've I played it before. Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, yeah, not not going back. This one I knew not to go back to. Like you're not tricking me this time, Proview. I went back to it, man, just because I was like, yeah, it looks really good. There's a lot of really good aspects of it. I don't know. I just I fucking was I was really vibing on Genesis shit for this issue, so I I fired it up again, and I don't think. I hope, anyways. It was not just having my badass new controller, <laughs> but <laughs> a glimmer of hope. I think, like, like I don't think, I, yeah, I don't think I gave enough of a chance to fully understand the strategy elements in it. Like, I didn't get oh, what yeah. I had to do with those. Like, I could. I remember the first time I played it, I couldn't figure out how to attack those fucking towers that were shooting you constantly in that little first area, you know. And oh, yeah. getting into it and like trying harder to understand what I was doing, I realized that the, you had to use the plastic explosives and you blow the towers up and. You know, like it's rid of them, and that's also how you get that wall at the end. So, like, there's just some elements to it that were kind of they were honestly very Metal Geary to me that I didn't, I don't think I realized the first time, thinking it was just kind of like a bit of a shoot 'em up deal, you know. So, mm. yeah, I think there's, I don't know, I think there's more to it than I gave it credit for, and I think there might actually be a kind of a fun game here. I did still feel uh, it's like a little <laughs> punitive on the enemy fire front, like I died a lot, and yeah, I don't know, maybe with practice. That becomes less of a problem, but I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah, I, I didn't find it fun while experiencing all that, so that that was kind of out for me. You did know you what I mean? Like, if, did you blow anything up with gear? Did I blow anything? Yeah, I blew stuff up. I just like I was I was figuring it out, but it just wasn't fun. Okay. Like I, I, just, I just wasn't enjoying it. It was even like even 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 switching to, and you know, there's there's a obviously this is a more limited option set if you can do this, but. As opposed to Metal Gear, where you like got to go to the the status screen and pick the item you're going to use, and then go back to the action. Like the idea that just the A button cycled through either your knife, your bow, or your plastic explosive, so you can kind of do that real time very quickly. You know, planning those plastic explosives and then running out and and getting back. Excuse me to the action. That I thought that was 
cool and pretty well done and and felt good you know how quickly i could do it so see there's a i, I feel like that's a a definite sega genesis bonus at this point because we're there's some other games that we'll play yeah there. there's another game later that that and, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Exactly. what that ninja game or whatever the fuck it is that yeah uh, yeah agreed so thunder force is last up for the genesis here and i know i said they never have two writers uh <laughs> but they they actually <laughs> Pro and AJF, which actually are the same guys that did the Double Dragon one here. I'm looking out on my screen still. So this has been out for a while. It is a flying shmup with both top-down and side-view modes. And probably not bad, but my ROM won't work, and I don't care enough to search harder. So that's how I feel about Thunder Force. <laughs> same. <laughs> same. Yeah. The one-page rad for the TurboGrafx-16 that we've seen a bunch leads us into the one pro view for said system, a game called Dungeon Explorer that looked far too up my alley to not devote a few minutes of my life to. So... The just the word quest appearing in the second paragraph I was like you have my attention. <laughs> well, and, I mean, and that menacing face, I was like, whoa, let me read about this. What is going on? Yeah, they are good. <laughs> and, and they're talking couch co-op questing immediately too, which is super hot. I, I like that idea a lot as well. And Eric, yeah, and you mentioned the artwork. Eric Lee is yet again turned to for the dope illustration. So Eric Lee is just fucking spitting out fire for this issue. And they mention it is not meant to be beaten in a single sitting and to utilize the password feature. So even more oh. questing it, questing it up. So, you know, like I said, a while back, I scored that TurboGrafx 16 emulator so I could fucking try these at least, uh, even if we're not going to oh, spend a great yeah. time on that. But this being an RPG, I thought we'd talk about it a little bit or RPG E game anyways. So, yeah, the title music track sounds like CD quality. aesthetic of it feels a little generic i would say the game itself uh, and that's you know a real problem when it comes to rbgs and some of these older ones on like sms and in this case turbo graphics just it just don't you know it's like every building looks the same all the care all the npcs look the same the kind of the environments are rather barren there's not you know it's just kind of like the huts and bushes <laughs> that's it you know and <laughs> Ever that that's usually a little bit of an indictment of a, a not so well done RPG, but I would say gameplay wise, the dungeons are very gauntlet y, where you like you have those spawn points where enemies just kind of pour out of, and you have to destroy okay. the spawn points to make them stop doing that. You know what I mean? That's kind of that's kind of fun. Exactly. Yeah, you don't see that in RPG type games. Like Gauntlet is obviously a very action minded game with no story effort whatsoever so i thought that was <laughs> yeah. an interesting mashup you know so it could be fun as a co-op but I, I don't think it would hold your attention as a one-player deal you know? like it might be something mm -hmm. to sit down with someone and play uh but unfortunately i don't think there's enough meat there on the rpg bone to to support a one-player experience so that was a bummer but Sad. worth looking do you want to talk to us it's fucking uh j corner here with a couple of rt atari 7800 pro views <laughs> next here dude commando okay. yeah i absolutely love this game yeah okay commando it's a run and gun vertically scrolling game is it you the same your... is it the same exact game that's the the commando on nes is it the same thing or is it i i don't know because i didn't have it on the nes but like i had it on the atari and it was so much fun you're you could blow holes and walls and find secret areas and stuff which is not something that you could typically find in an atari game 
And it, I just remember playing this game, like playing the shit out of this game. It's, it's just <laughs> a blast. Like I, I spent, I devoted so many hours to my life. Yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't really tell. I like, get so some of these because that's such a generic name, you know, Commando. So yeah. like, I, I it's, I, they certainly, you're not gonna, you're not gonna be able to get any, you know, IP infringement situations or something. So they could easily make a similar game called Commando, and it'd be no problem. Like and Nintendo couldn't, or whatever developers <laughs> for Commando could do, never do anything about it. So like, I, I'm so curious to know whether it's just a, a port of that same game because I think I'm pretty sure on the underlying. Like the Commando on NES, I believe, is, a, is an arcade port too, so that makes a lot of sense, you know. And Xenophobe too is another one. I think that's an arcade game as well that was ported to both NES and Atari here, so it would make a lot of sense, you know. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty. It's got to be. I mean, and I never really played Xenophobe. I'd seen it, heard of it, never really played it. But yeah, Commando, it. I, I can't say enough about it, man. <laughs> it, it, it's it's one of those like super nostalgia strings for me, sure, like because sure. it's, it's it was easily one of my top five Atari games that I played. Okay, okay. yeah, man. Good job, Game Pro. Pull yeah. me back in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there they followed that with a full pager from Taxon for Eight Eyes, and uh, so that's sandwiched in between actually those two pro views for Atari and the Touts. Featuring the new dual attack mode, and I'm guessing, man, <laughs> yeah, I'm guessing that's Boss. the two player co op deal where, where two player controls the Falcon, but uh, I don't know, yeah. it's like a seems like a very grandiose way to put that. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm imagining a lot of disappointed fans like, what dual attack mode, and then you're playing, you're like, man. Yeah. <sighs> I love the idea. I don't know. Like, you have to wonder. Like, was there any kid that actually saw this ad, asked for the game, and like uh, on the basis of dual attack action, <laughs> and like gets the game and was genuinely disappointed? Like, you have to think there's at least one kid that follows up exact flowchart. You know, <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> That's a very fun thought. So there are three pages of Sega Genesis in your face advertising awesomeness. Next here, we get a one full page of nothing but big bold white text on a black card. And that text says, bring an Amazon woman home to meet mom. Interesting. <laughs> right? You, I'm like, what? definitely makes you think. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then <laughs> the latter two pages start with bold text that reads, introducing Golden Axe up top, and then proceed to do just that with a slight modification of their first huge spread, the uh, where it's just now Golden Axe instead of what was Altered Beast. And there are oodles of screenshots depicting all the hotness from the game. And then there are many... A uh, bunch of other, you know, this, the way this, just like the Alter Beast one, there's a, a bunch of screenshots from other games on the system. And there's only a handful that were new. And I actually saw that one of them is, is a game you were vibing on a little bit enough to post a video for. So the first one is Truxton. And I guess I'll let you take it away since you must enjoy it to, oh, to post a screenshot. Yeah. So this game i was vibing out to this game hard i i didn't really know what to expect i'm like yeah this i first of all i love this ad i love the the expansion yeah. of it and that i'm like it, it really does captivate me in a way where i'm like i hey, what, what's, what's new here i want to play three pages they're like they're just like nope not just a spread we want another one <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah for sure and i i'm in man like truxton is it's like a flying shooter and I love it, like, period. Like, I, I sat there, and, of course, in classic fashion, you get to pick up different power-ups power, power ups along the way. Like, the weapons, there's so many different weapons you get that function completely differently. And, like, if you hold the button down versus, like, pressing it, like, some of the weapons 
mm. like just react differently. And so it just, I had just a blast playing it. For me, it's like very much my kind of game where I could just sit. Like this game caused me to start my own games to play when I'm bored list. Like, I, because nice. I'm putting it there. Nice. Yeah. Like, it's, it's that exactly game that. alone. So yeah. you got to get that app to time decisions so you can just randomize it for yourself. So you can it <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but totally worth it. I mean, the graphics are great. Like it just, it's it, in, in classic Genesis fashion that I'm finding out, it just seems like an arcade level game in terms yep. of like graphics and everything, which always just, yeah, I'm in. Yeah. It's funny. So yeah, I fired up and like, I'm like, you know, fine. So they should not fuck. Of course. And, yeah. And, yeah, I, I, you know, like, I, I, because I know I walk into those situations extra negative to begin with, I try to, like, fucking pack that away in my little cold soul and not think about it and try to approach it objectively. So, like, I'm, I'm playing it, like, <laughs> it, you know, it looks, it sounds and controls fine, uh, but it still felt just like your everyday average space shmup, you know, to me. And then I'm looking at your, like, first of all, hearing that, like, the variance in the, the usage of the items where they could hold and, like, hold and, and just tap buttons. Like, see, I didn't pick up on that. And that's nuance that, mm-hmm. that's basically what I criticize these games for, is how they're, it's just mindless. There's no thought to it. Like, and, and, like, even that simple, small change where you have to think about whether I'm going to hold it or I'm going to fucking just press it, that's like a, that, that is like night and day <laughs> compared <laughs> to most flying shmups and that kind of game where you have to decide, make a decision with each, fi- each fire that you, that you do. Like, that small change is yeah. a huge difference for, like, engagement level for me, you know? Uh, so, and that's, it's interesting you say that because a lot of the fun for me is also, like, let me hold down this button. Sp- but like i gotta avoid everything and dodge and make sure i blow up everything at the same time it's just i don't know it's like a fun puzzle of avoidance and killing at the same time and (laughs) especially like there's this blue there's this weapon you get it's like a three blue waves it's almost like you you can get different levels of the power so like the first time i got this blue weapon like i could really only shoot these waves short in front of me but like at some point i got enough power-ups and then switched it from another weapon and i had these three giant waves shooting out but they would like seek different directions and it was just it was very fun like just a variation of weapons so the, totally the, the video that you posted i was looking at i was like this looks cooler than what i remember seeing so yeah it did <laughs> maybe i just didn't play long enough or something because uh, yeah I, I was not it was nothing special to me but you know, I, I, I'm not uh, contesting that I gave it some, like, incredibly lengthy try either, so. Fair enough. Fair, go. fair. What about you, man? What did you pick up out of this game? I, I saw you posted a few things. As I well. did, yes. Yeah. Zoom, man. This fucking game, dude. This, so it's an action puzzler, and holy shit, is it good. I'd never heard of it. I've never, like, seen the fucking word in a Genesis context even. So, like, that alone, again, I'm kind of, I mean, I don't know, I'm fucking trucks didn't meant nothing to me either but zoom is just a zoom with an exclamation point is a game that would like that title would stand out to you you know there's not a lot of i have my collecting app you know and there's never a lot of z's so any z letter <laughs> game is going to stand out to you a little more than a t just how it is so yeah the fact that i just never it never even crossed my radar was intriguing to me so you like okay so you fire this thing up and you, you control a very what i would say well designed and cute as fuck sprite on a wireframe mm-hmm. grid and the object is to skate along on all four sides of every square on the grid. So, like, the idea is the entire grid, you want to pass your sprite along every 
side of every square on the grid. And that's like the goal of each level, right? So the difficulty of this is imposed by the enemies that also patrol the same lines. So you can't run into them or you're toast. And that's, you know, that's pretty basic gameplay stuff. But so the first couple of levels introduced different enemies with different movement patterns. And there was one, I think it was on the second level, where if the enemy passed over ground you'd covered, it would, like, wipe your progress from that line, you know? So, like, <laughs> that was just one example of, like, enhanced difficulty. And, yeah, dude, it was just, it's just, it's just good, you know? Like, puzzler games that are just, it, when they're executed right, there's, it's even, it's kind of hard to describe, but it's just good. It's like the Hyperdot game. Like, this should be fucking dumb. But... It is just incredibly fun and engaging, you know, and yes, there was even even super fun there. There's this it, it happened all the time, too. I'm not even sure exactly what was causing it, but there's this really funny digitized voice cue that would say, come on, boy. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they, they would. I, I, I'm not sure what the fuck would cause it but it, it was super frequent and it reminded me so much of the vibe that toe jam and earl had it's just like this goofy 90s swagger maybe is a good way you know the best adjectives i could give it yeah. and yeah just it very much like your, your character had has that vibe to to he or whatever it he she whatever the hell this thing is so yeah i mean i don't know man i yeah i added to my shit worth playlist it's i i bought the damn game i i ordered the game wow. the hard copy one uh, I found it for 20 bucks in box with manual and I was like sold, <laughs> you know? So dude, yeah, really good, dude. I, really fucking fun. I have to it, uh, agree. I mean, I, this type of game, I of course added it to my list as well. I mean, it's, I feel like this is the type of game kind of like hybrid out that's missing in my life when I've had a long day of work. You know, I think I, yesterday I, I started work at like six in the morning. Like I woke up and I was like, man, before I even work out, I got to like take care of something. And <laughs> like, so when like when you have a long day of like thinking and analyzing things and, you know, I, sometimes I'm just not in the mood. And that's a lot of times while I play Halo, I just need to jump into a match and like just shake it up and, and not, you know, get into some deep, long adventure, you know, where I'm like role playing as somebody and this type of game is exactly what I needed. Like, it's so much fun. I, yeah. I echo everything you said, man. It's just, I, it's, it's that reason. This is one of those games that makes me, is making me consider getting, you know, a gaming laptop that I can go sit on the couch and play a game like this. Cause it's, it's very fun. So much fun. Awesome. Yeah. Actually, I, I, I'm not, I, I hope it has a two player version. I can't remember if it did or not, but uh, I, I, I look for, I want to expose Amy to this. I think she would enjoy it. I think it's her kind of game too. Fired up on the Genesis once I get the cart. The uh, the yeah, it's fucking puzzles like this aren't a great fit for game apps, of course, but it, it's a fantastic video game for sure. Yeah. The last one here that I recognize as being untouched uh, by us uh, yet, well, as of yet rather, anyways, was Forgotten Worlds, and the cover art for this had me incredibly pessimistic going into it. It's a couple of Arnold-looking mothers, <laughs> one with a mohawk. <laughs> in like a stupid ass space suit and they got big guns and shit and it's it's described as a side scrolling shmup and fucking you know like all those things are just like ah oh, this is probably gonna blow and yep it's awful <laughs> so i'm not upset i couldn't no i couldn't find the cart as i was oh, just like yeah, yeah whatever yeah <laughs> it's it, it it has this extra terrible mechanic where you have to hold the c button to rotate your aim 360 degrees 
you can't just point your like you don't just point your sprite with the arc with the D pad or arcade stick in my case the to to shoot at things like so you're, you're like it's a it is a straight on side view right and your guy can shoot and like and, you know in theory this idea sounds cool for a shooter maybe where you can shoot in any direction on the screen up down behind you at a 45 degree angle up and behind like you can you can shoot any direction which would be as opposed to a lot of shooters you have to move your sprite to the place where you want your bolts to be going and turn your character <laughs> in that direction you know which is of course again sounds less appealing but without dual sticks to execute this idea it sucks shit dude like absolutely you're just holding the c button until the gun gets to the position you want to be shooting while you're moving your character around and avoiding shit and it just ah it was awful awful miserable way to play a shooter it was so fucking bad uh so yeah huge fail with that even i mean you know like i i, I will give it I, the the hint of ingenuity behind trying to figure out a way to do something a little different, like a little bit of credit for that, but it, it just, you know, it was so Dead not land. fun to play that I can't, I can't stick with it uh, or rather give it any, any recommendation level. There is also the bomb drop of fantasy star two here, but that doesn't hit till March. And it's also an RPG that we couldn't even think about. <laughs> if I could play in yeah. for a game. app. But revenge of Shinobi and ghouls and ghosts are two previous game app nominations of mine that are in here too. So perhaps some foreshadowing there. <laughs> The SWAT Hot Tips comes at us next, and we get damn near a page and a half of Mega Man 2 schematics here. I was surprised. Yeah, it was a damn. lot of fucking real estate devoted to it. And they have all the ideal weapon boss combos, and then the passwords for each boss already being whacked in case you can't, I guess, swing it with one of them. Like, And, and that, you know, I was looking at it, I was like, does that... Are those passwords for having only beat that boss? Is that what that is? Because that's what I think it is. That's how I took it. Okay, yeah, which is yeah. I don't know. I guess yeah, if you, if it's just to like I can't beat this one dude. Uh, I guess that well, has purpose there, but I, it just seemed like a weird thing. I don't know. I, I was taking <laughs> it like kind of like that like if you wanted to start out like you know how you're supposed to go in a certain order, right? But if you wanted to say like let me start out with having Heatman killed, so let me, I'm going to play with only the heat power and see what that's right. like so first. yeah so you know, I, could, I could approach yeah switch it yeah that's a very good point to approach because otherwise you know if, if you're in the know you know you're you're fighting crash man flash man or whatever it is last and like you know you don't you know the idea of like game breaking that without having to do it in like a really difficult way is an interesting way to add some replay value so yeah i can vibe on that yeah uh i'd say we have to dap them up for the little bit of Dragon Warrior love here, touching on the false wall in Garen hand that leads to the Silver Harp dungeon. I like that little, yep. little note there. Definitely so, respect for that. <laughs> yep. And I am also think that the bad dude's tidbit is noteworthy, and it's telling you how to skip what I guess is a slow title screen process. And I mean, I don't record that, recall that. Jab had the card. I don't remember, like, you know. And there are, there are I can't think of any genuine or, or, or specifics, but you know, there are certainly games you turn on and you're like, Fuck, let's go. I want to go. Yeah. You know, so like, <laughs> I, I get uh, the idea of maybe that idea of, of, of having a way to get through a shitty part of that. Uh, it's interesting to me that would be developed in. Cause like, obviously the person that wants you to look at that screen is the developer. So, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. so it's interesting to me, but I don't know. It's more fun. 
that they say you can skip the screen with the president has been kidnapped by ninjas story. And why in the hell would you ever do that? That is by leaps and bounds the best part of that cart. <laughs> right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, this, like, I started because I saw this tip here, I immediately just and said I wanted to play the game. We've been talking about this game I wanted to play. I jumped in and started playing the game. So I, I of course, sat and watched that. So when I went back and read the tip, I'm like, okay, like, why would you? Why would I want to skip it's like that? One like, of the I don't most, understand. It's, I think it might be like a top five memorable NES thing. You know what it's I mean? It's probably why I always think of that. For you. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's a fun game, but still, yeah. Yeah, it's just ridiculous. <sighs> like the, and the, the, the president, <laughs> like the president is like eating a hamburger. He says he's gonna like go to get hamburgers or something when you rescue him in the end. Like, yeah, that that game is super weird. Uh, well, and it's confusing because it's brought to us by the Eliminator. He just dropped all this great Mega Man codes. Like, come on, Eliminator. Like, you're. Just... Right. I know they're yeah. just struggling for shit. Probably they're like, fucking. What about this weird ass thing? I don't know. Does it... <laughs> Fill that section up. We got three pages of this shit. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> So the SMS Alex Kid one also jumped out to me, listing the location of each of the eight pieces of the map. You need to find your way in that wacky ass game, and I thought that probably jumped out to you because you said you were vibing on that a little bit when you when we first saw it a while back. Alex Kid, yep. it's the one oh, with like yeah, 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 you know, where you fucking, you're trying to like get to the arcade from your castle, <laughs> you know? Freaking a. Yeah, I could I could definitely use that. See, yeah, <laughs> this would be helpful. Yeah. <laughs> Personal Alex Kid side quest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So there's a couple ads we've seen in here too. The Kim Koseka rescue the embassy mission deal with the kids special ops fucking crash into the building with a whole team of dudes and the LJN one with the people in front of the TV. And it's funny, you know, it's funny. We, we saw that we saw that LJN ad the first time or the last time, whatever it was, and we like we spent like five minutes. I'm like, what this ad makes no sense. And the second I saw it this time, I was like. It's immediately clear to me, looking at it, that all five of these games are based on TV properties. <laughs> like, so we're fucking idiots. Like, it makes, it makes total fucking sense. Like, all five of those are, like, things that you watch on a TV, you know? So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, how dense we must have been to it. Like, both of us sitting there just, like, staring at it as a caveman, like, don't get it. But, <laughs> but well, I mean, fucking, you have to, I guess, know those properties, right? Like, well, I mean, it's fucking Nightmare on Elm Street. It's not, they're not, you know, it's not like, they're, they're like, major licensed tv product nightmare on elm street and the nfl and the all yeah all things that are like way mainstream media there's nothing fucking uh but also fuck ljn so. <laughs> more fun than that and more interesting than that is rescue the embassy mission is out now so i don't think i clocked and or mentioned the tagline at the top of the first or at the top of the ad the first time we saw it here. <laughs> so this is, it reads as, do not attempt your mission until the choppers are overhead, snipers are in position, and your homework's done. And two things. One, I love that they want choppers. <laughs> Gotta go with choppers. <laughs> but two, just that, that you know, that uh, the comedy dichotomy there is fucking great, you know? Like these two ultra-serious fucking secret mission things and then get your homework done is, is, is a super cute. <laughs> So this is, I think we dabbled talking about it, but now that it's out, we should probably talk about it more. This is a special ops game where you have, you get a bunch of uh, snipers into position around a building first, and like the building's been taken over by terrorists. So you're, 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 you, your guys come in and you're trying to get these three snipers each on one side of the building to get them into position to do some sniping, of course, and whittle the odds more down into your favor, like taking picking off some of the snipers before your dudes actually... Uh, 
go into the building, you know? So it's, I mean, it's, it, the first thing to say about it is it's, it's a fucking lot for an NES game in general. Like, there's just a lot going on that right. is one very simulation-y and two just very serious. I don't know. Like there's just a lot, a lot of things simultaneously going on that you can like switch back. You can like switch between each of the dudes in position and like, they're always there. And like, the, 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 you know, it's just, it's just more going on than I would guess or would have guessed the NES processor was capable of, you know? So, <laughs> no, so that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we talked about it before. I remember this game incredibly fondly, dude. Like I've definitely really? fucked with it via emulation over the years. And like, it'll just come back to me every now and again, I'll fire it up. But think like, I wanted to, you know, I didn't want to go off memory. I wanted to fire it up again and like take a look at it with like the game app in mind to make sure that it would be worthy of that and that it could fill a, a game issue or a game episode. And first of all, the opening cinematic sequence is like apex NES graphics work. <laughs> Did you I, I <laughs> yeah, actually post right. even if you didn't play it, I posted it on our socials. Like it is on par with Batman cinematics, I'd say. So that is high praise, Ooh. I think, for the NES. Yeah. Is, so man. like you have an unmarked sedan, like like the first, like it's just like you know, blackout, and then it just cuts in, and a, an unmarked sedan is screeching to a halt on a city corner. All of it looks fucking fantastic, and then like special ops fuckers spill out of it, out of out of the side door, and then like a some sort of van or something screeches up to like deal with the situation, but your guys have already cleared out of the area, you know? So then it cuts from that to a chopper dropping dudes off on the roof, and then it cuts to the in-game sniper POV shot, which is like one of the prettier things that, that you can see on an NES also. And yeah, it just all looks fucking really good to set up kind of, you know, the story. Does a good job of it, and looks good. And then you just go into the game. And the the first phase, it's basically those guys coming out of the car. So like, the guys came out of the car, and then you control each one, one at a time by themselves, and you have to, like, you, like, creep along the sidewalk, and there's all these spotlights moving around the screen, and the idea is you have to evade those spotlights. And, like, you can dive onto the ground and crawl on your belly. You can dive into and behind bushes and in doorways and hide in the shadows and stuff, and it, it all controls really fucking well, uh, I would say, given how the variance in what you have to do or what you can do. I think it controls pretty fucking well and it's executed really well. So yeah, you get, you get each three of those and each one has like a longer track because they have to get further around the building. So you try to get all three of those guys and they can, you can absolutely get shot up and die. And then you just don't have a sniper on that side of the building, <laughs> you know? So like there's like immediately you are presented with life and death consequences for your actions in the game, you know? So again, that kind of just calls to the, serious theme of the game and then once those dudes are in place you get the helicopter thing and the, the infiltration dudes are dropped onto the roof of the building and now you have a choice you, you choose it like shows a blueprint schematic of the area of the building in the neighborhood and you can switch to any of the three snipers at any time or i think it's three guys on top of the building and you know, if you don't want to snipe people, you don't have to. If you want to snipe a few, then bring one of the guys in and go back to a sniper. You have that option at any time, basically. So logic dictates you want to do some sniping first. So you do your sniping and like you literally are just moving the crosshairs of your sniper rifle 
around the side of the building that your sniper is on and you wait you 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 hope to see a silhouette pass by a window you know and you got to shoot them real quick before they move off and that's how you pick off terrorists Mm. from the snipers which is super fucking fun (laughs) really really well done and yeah, the more you pop of them, the less you have to deal with once you infiltrate the building. So, of course, incentivizes you to do that as much as you can. So then you take the infiltrators down the side of the building, repel style, and you like you you know you like inch your way down, just like rock climbing shit. You know, you're like you're the thing where they like kick off the building and swing out a little bit, and then inch their way down and then kick out again. And then when you get to the window that you want, you can go through any window on the building. You can you can repel as long as you want. So like if you've picked off a bunch of the people in level one maybe you want to go all the way down to level one to go in there because there's gonna be fewer people when you first come in you know what i mean so there's just a ton of strategy involved but then yeah when you pick your window you like you you have to kick out and you swing through and the guy just crashes into the window and then it cuts to a third person over the shoulder shooter deal where you use there's a real-time map on the screen and it tells you how many baddies are on each of the three levels and you just move room to room, killing the people in kind of like a, a third-person shooter, basically. And you don't want to shoot prisoners, of course, the hostages. So, and you know, you can you can be in there and like decide there's too many dudes on this level or something, and then switch to a sniper and try to snipe people on the level again, you know, and then come back to the infiltrators. And it's just it's I don't know, man. It's the fucking it's a I was. Sh- Again, I kind of go, went into it expecting it to be a little less impressive looking at it through a game app lens, and I don't. I think it's fucking great. Like, I, like, there's no apprehensions whatsoever about doing a game app on this game. Wow. Yeah, really fucking that's, good game, dude. That's impressive. Um, <clears throat> it's funny to me. You're, you took a serious playthrough. I'm, I looked at, I'm caught up on the ad. I'm like, this ad is awesome. I love the kid <laughs> hanging from it. But, like, I remember playing it last time, and the reason I didn't pick it up and play it again is because... I think for me to play this, I would definitely have to get a manual and understand oh, exactly what am I supposed to do much. because I I was like scooting along and I thought it was cool, like avoiding the spotlights and scooting along and diving in the, the buildings and all that. But I was like, I didn't understand the objective and where I was to go and what I was supposed to do. So it was kind of like, I need I need all of that. And I'm I, at the time, I'm like, I wasn't going to sit and like spend all that time but i didn't expect it to be that cool but like watching a playthrough and hearing you talk about it i could definitely see how knowing what you're actually supposed to to do and the objectives like how it could be really fun and dude i'm not even sure i've ever played (laughs) like like i don't know it like you know there's like there's a there's a train mission i think three levels of difficulty missions you can choose and I, i don't I know I've never beat the hard ones, you know? So like, I can't even imagine what those are like. I'll tell you right now, I'm thinking of it. You got to read the instruction manual to figure out how to repel into buildings or you will just drop your guys off the side of the building every time. <laughs> like, there's like, there's like a very specific, I don't know how to describe it. You can't, which is right too. Cause you, if, I've never done that. I would, I would never would do that repelling, but the, you know, like when you watch someone do it, there's like you, you can't just go like it's a very it's an incremental thing, you know, and, and like they try to work in that aspect of it in the way you control the guys going down the side of the building. Because, yeah, if you just hold down, like they just go like the, the rope just like comes a little bit and then the guys just go boop, drop off and fucking die. <laughs> Yeah, like uh, uh, simulation focus, I guess, is what I'm saying here is, is pretty hardcore for it for sure. But yeah, man, this is I think uh, you'll hear more about this later after these messages. 
We'll be right back. This Christmas, Pepsi would like to help you celebrate the holidays with a chance of winning a present from Mario in the Pepsi Nintendo Holiday Game, where you could win one of thousands of terrific Nintendo prizes, like these action sets, game packs, and best of all, the sensational new Game Boy. So hurry up and play before it's all over. Look for details on how to win your Nintendo prize wherever you see these Pepsi holiday displays. That was a Pepsi commercial from the holiday season past, prior to this issue here, giving away free Nintendo shit. And the little plastic liners beneath the caps on bottles would tell you you're a winner. And I remember these shits and how exciting it was to crack these open. Do you? Does this mean anything to you do you remember these games uh yeah i remember this ad and everything man like immediately oh, I, don't, <laughs> I didn't remember sure. the ad but i remember the games for sure and yeah that shit was awesome winning stuff Heck underneath yeah. the cap for sure so getting to the mag here we have two pages of reader tips next and bomberman for the nes is in here which i don't believe we've talked about a single time despite it having been it was been out for almost a year now and this is a a top-down arcade action ditty that i'd say teeters on action puzzler in its gameplay style and you're like you're kind of like finding ways to frag enemies on the grid with bombs and you have to simultaneously avoid the explosions like when the whenever the bomb is placed it you have to like go hide behind blocks basically if you're if you're in any of the paths coming out from where the bomb explodes you'll you can die. So you want to go hide behind shit basically right after you plant a bomb. And I don't know. I've never been, it, it's considered a classic and it's become kind of like a, a bit of a franchise. I personally have never been a huge fan of it though. I don't know. Did you, are you a Bomberman person at all? No, I've never even played it. It's, it's, it's funny because yeah, it's recognized when you say it, I'm like, Oh yeah, Bomberman, I recognize it, but like I've never played it. I never would want to play it. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just seems like like I'm maybe some sure there game was from Super, way back. Yeah, I'm pretty sure there's a Super Nintendo one. I, I I'm almost certain there was a 64 one. Like they've they've hit on it on oh, there's, pretty much yeah. every system. You know, it's, yeah, it's, it's been a a thing they've tried to do for pretty much ever. You know, but yeah, I've never been never been into them really. There's two passwords for Simon's Quest that take you directly to different endings of the game, and it's weird to me that there's passwords for that at all. You know that. Right? <laughs> Like, like, why do you get to experience that unless you just fought? Like, why do you get a password there? <laughs> right, yeah, like, yeah. Again, it's just kind of a thing, like, why did the developers think to have, like, why is that possible? You know, like, someone has to make a conscious decision to allow that. And, like, I get, you know, it's kind of a cool, as a player, like, maybe kind of cool, but I guess maybe developers looking at it that same from that same perspective yeah. is the only answer to that question, but... Maybe they're like, our endings are so dope, you're going to want to come back here. Yeah, that's, that, that's a fair perspective, because the Castlevania endings are dope as fuck looking, so that's fair. <laughs> and, and also, you know what, actually, never mind, I'm completely wrong. Because yes, there are multiple endings, and that's the idea, is someone would sit and play the fucking game, get the wrong one, and be like, I, I, I don't want to sit and do that again, especially Simon's Quest. <laughs> 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 Although you, you know, you'd have the password and go back to like right before the end, too, uh, is also a possibility to allow you to do this. Although if you uh, the endings are, are time-based, so if you've that's not true, because if you went over the time, you can't get the better one. So yeah, I guess it makes total sense. Shut up, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there is a fun full-pager from Tecmo, sandwiched in here in the Reader's Tip section, and the artwork is featuring it's an illustration of the key art for tecmo world wrestling on nes and this is not out till april but it it i'm pretty sure if i remember correctly it's a really solid wrestling game if i recall right oh yeah you are correct 
Yeah, and they're they're one thousand percent. This is Legion of Doom. Like they're just a thousand percent ripping off Legion of Doom there. <laughs> but they they also also shown here are the boxes for Tecmo Baseball, Ninja Gaiden, and Tecmo Bowl. All three of those are out. And a wacky and low budget full pager from a company called NTVIC, which is fantastic branding choice for a video game company name. <laughs> uh, so yeah, on the same token, expecting great things from this this title itself. The game is called Rock and Ball. It's an NES title, and the artwork is. I mean, <laughs> like, what the fuck is this art? Like, what is the theme here, dude? Like, what would you like? Maybe. A late '80s MTV neon punk are the the words that I just randomly associated with this. <laughs> but no, but you, you forgot fitness. I mean, look at the <laughs> men's part. Sure, like yeah. you got headbands, you got like short little tennis shorts with the little like stripe. Come on now, the, I'm I see this and I just think tennis fighting. I, I don't even know, man. Like, like fitness a, fighters, a, a psychology <laughs> experiment and word association, you know. Like, it's like this should be one of the things, you know, those cards they should, that the ink, yeah. ink, ink blotches, you know, one of them should be this. <laughs> yeah. So all that said, it's a fucking pinball game, which is clearly communicated in the seven screenshots, screenshots rather. And it seemed to suggest that there are a number of variants of pinball you can play. And that's at least an interesting idea. You know, the art was not interesting to me, but the, the screenshots were. And it's out this month. So I... Fire up, see what the fuck happens. And dude, I did you fuck with it at all? I did because I like pinball, but like the flipper control sucked to me, so I did not give it much of a play after that. Mm. I was like, no, man. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, like, especially going into low expectations, I'd say there's some effort here at least. Really? Because you know? I, it was like you had to like, for me, and maybe I need to remap my controls, which also seems annoying, but like. The A button was like the right flipper, but like for the left flipper, B, B didn't work. You had to press like D-pad. your right control pads. stick and something else. And I was like, no, what no, is no, that? just Why the left control stick. It's basically that your two sides of the controller. A lot of pinball games do that, where instead of a butt, because that makes sense, dude. Like you, your left, you, it's like your left hand is then controlling the left bumper, and your right hand is controlling the right bumper, just like it would be on a pinball machine. I thought I had to press two buttons, so I was pressing left or whatever that can, direction was. And B, so maybe I didn't need to press B at sure. the same time, but it was like, <laughs> I was like, this is so awkward. <laughs> oh yeah, it, it, just the left, the left directional, left D pad, or and and the A button, yeah, yeah. But did you, did you try any of the other games, or did you just do the standard pinball? No, because I was so put off by that. But knowing that I clearly just made a mis- an error there, <laughs> I could see I would definitely pick it back up just because it's pinball. Why not? What, what yeah. did you think? Because. It the game. It looks a little mad. Don't get me wrong. Like there, there is some cheapness to the visual of it. I would say, and that like the straight pinball physics are less than ideal. Like you know, I, I also yeah. like pinball games. Like, you know, like I said, I, I put the the one I played, the Alien one or whatever, was on Turbo Graphics. I was just fucking blown away by. So you know, these are games that I can one thousand percent get into if they're done well. But the game variants. Like one, it'll, you can play it to four players on some of them, which is fucking cool. And above mm-hmm. and beyond most every pinball game we've seen so far. But yeah, the game variants are. There's some good ones, dude. The the sports ones in particular were really cool. The 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 hockey, like you control a flipper, so you have like a flipper in the middle, like by the like center ice, I guess is the, is the terminology. I'm not a hockey fan, but like you have, a, you have a flipper near center ice that works. It's like a 360 degrees, so you can use it to whack a ball back into your 
area, like towards your goalie, if you want to do that, like gives you that strategy option at least, which is, I don't know, again, a lot about hockey, but I know that like bringing like that's a defensive tactic that can be used, you know, so you have that option. And then you can, of course, also whack it into your defender's territory towards the goal with that same thing. And then your goalie bounces the ball in a cool way. And then there's also like some, uh, the, like there's a, the, the ends behind the goals kind of taper into a point, And then there's a, a bumper back there that will fire the ball back out. You know, if, if the ball goes mm. back there, so there was, it, it, I was pretty impressed, dude. It looked and play and controlled really well. And like, that was against the computer. Like I think head to head against a buddy with those sports things would be like fucking a high variation. Yeah. And really, really fun. So, <laughs> okay. Yeah, I I, I wouldn't mind trying that uh, two-player via emulation just to see if, if it plays out like I think it would, because I think they're pretty fucking cool. I'm down. Looking at the picture, I mean, yeah. I mean, looking at this ad, knowing that there's this many different versions and the way you described it, I'm yeah, sign me up, especially <laughs> with the right controls. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Yeah, I mean, there's, you know, there's no chance of game app territory for it, but I, I think it would uh, be worth a little parsec side ditty for sure. Yep. A full pager for our current side quest, Arch Nemesis FCI, featuring Phantom Fighter for the NES, is up next. And this is not out till April, thankfully. We have all the fucking FCI we can handle at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> the, the art is kind of cool, though. It implies like a martial arts and vampire mashup, which is an interesting combo, I think. After that, we get Overseas Prospects. And this month, it is a couple of pages on Ninja Warriors. And, you know, there's like... I'm looking at it. I'm like, what is like, what is this going to be for? Again, they just don't tell you up front. It's just, it's bad. It's like a bad job. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was reading. It, I was just like, meh. Like you, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, terrible. Yeah, I don't know what it's for, and yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah. So yeah, it's a turbo graphics game, and it doesn't look particularly good, uh, particularly on that spectrum. You know, like those games are kind of looking pretty good. Uh, the few that I've dealt with. So yeah, I'm thankful that I'm not having to deal with it yet. Uh, or at all, I guess, if it's Turbo Graphics, if I don't want to. And after that, we get a Bandai full pager for a Hyper Load Runner on Game Boy. And uh, that, uh, yeah, that's breaking up the Overseas Prospect stuff. And I've never played it, but Load Runner is regarded as a, as a another kind of classic franchise that uh, is somewhat noteworthy. It's not really, I wouldn't say really a console thing. It's more of a PC yeah. deal because uh, I guess it was packaged. Every, like, I was actually reading the Amy Got Me for Christmas, a book about uh, it's called The Masters of Doom by David Kushner, and it's the it's a like a a bio look at the the Johns that made Doom, John Carmack and John Romero. So oh. they when they were talking about how focused they were on releasing the level editing software to kind of uh, in essence make it open source, you know. And that that if if you know anything about Doom history, like that's a big part of why Doom, like to this day, people are still modding Doom wads for <laughs> like thirty years later. <laughs> you know, so, like it it created a lot of what the hype that that made that game successful was their insistence, even though everyone in the company was telling them not to do it because it would it would like it would it would cannibalize their fucking a whole bunch of stuff. They wouldn't be able to release levels level add-on packs and all this bullshit and it's actually the reason the game became successful because the developers were like gamer friendly and wanted to give this tool to their players you know so it's basically that idea like that uh the the level editor and hyper load runner i think is is was also 
distributed with it and, and it's created like this subculture of fans of the game that make their own things even years later you know so but i'm sure the game boy doesn't have that so <laughs> <laughs> that would be very impressive yeah probably not as cool there full page for river city ransom following that and i like what they did here dude they they play up that magazine letter cut out ransom note angle with the line we have your game written in the top or in that <laughs> on the top you know like where we we have we, we've taken your game hostage that's pretty cool yeah and a couple pages of short pro shots comes after that. And the first page is all NES. And the games here are Ghostbusters 2 and Tombs and Treasure. Those are both Activision titles. We have Jalico's Astanax, Nexoff's Castle Quest, and Toho's Godzilla. And the only one out is Godzilla, and we've talked about that. Uh, I, I do love the end of the Ghostbusters 2 blurb, though. <laughs> it. Uh, it looks as good, if not better, than the original, and that's some, <laughs> that, that's some serious backhanded compliment shit. That like I'm not I'm not sure if it's trashing the first or the second one, but there's something in the trash there for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man, I remember the original Ghostbusters game. At least the one that I had on Atari was freaking hard, man. It was so tough. Oh, it's a pain in the ass. I had it on 2600. Actually, I thought it was. Pretty- <sighs> 2600 game the, the oh, it was good but it was tough though super tough the nes one it's that that's a, that's a damn kitchen port actually so you know I've, yeah. I've thought and talked about that game a lot and yeah it's the the stair stuff is really bad at the end <laughs> that's I can't, honestly like you, you it's not really it's i don't really think it's possible to beat it like as the as intended you know what i mean i think you kind of got to cheat you gotta like yeah. that that like the, the food stuff that lures the ghost down away from you that actually allows you to get up the steps doesn't really work it's yeah it's not good well done at all unfortunately but i remember i don't remember you know all right i do remember renting ghostbusters 2 and it was not particularly good either it was very different like much more of just like a kind of a stock side-scrolling action platformer shooter kind of thing like you had instead of yeah you don't you you have you don't have the proton packs you have what yeah you have that goo gun you know the the, the goo stuff that's everywhere in new york oh, you have a gun yeah. that shoots that stuff and obviously that's just not as cool as catching ghosts <laughs> the oh well. yeah oh well exactly the sole sms title is ultima 4 which is obviously quite topical for us and, yeah. No, no, Josh, before you ask, I did not pick this up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't guess you would. I did, because I'm a curious being. Uh, I, I couldn't find anything other than a blanket 1990 release date for this. So mm-hmm. I just, let's, let's assume it's out, you know, for the sake of giving it, making it, you know, puts it in our universe. <laughs> so we've had Facebook comments saying 4 is better than 3 on some of the side quest shit I've posted here about Ultima. So how interesting would it be to side quest on the SMS next with an Ultima game. <laughs> I'm not proposing that we do it, Jay. Don't fly off the handle. But it's just interesting <laughs> to me, the idea of going to SMS for a different Ultima title next would be is hilarious to me. So The, the, the idea of doing any more Ultima right now is <laughs> hilarious. Right. Yeah, uh, I feel like the screenshot shown here in the mag can't possibly be, or I, I didn't feel like they could possibly be from the game. <laughs> right? <laughs> Like the screenshot is like those cards. I was like, how is, what the fuck is that? So yeah, like I, I thought it was like an error, <laughs> you know? So, and I was crazy curious anyways. So I scored the ROM and fired it up and the title screen comes up reading Lord British and the origin systems present Ultima four. And I thought that was a fun touch that Lord British is a, 
uh, I don't know, like a thing in re- the real world, <laughs> you know, as opposed yeah. to, I thought that was kind of fun. And honestly, we'll get to it in our side quest, but having played more of that, of three on NES since doing these notes, like there's a lot of that in the game. There's a lot of like fourth wall breaking, I think that I, I think that's kind of the developer style a little bit for 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 these ultimate games so it's very in line with that but yeah i was wrong the screenshot in the bag is from some crazy ass card game system that i encountered and like it's so it starts the game and there's there's been games that do this so it's it's kind of a little bit revolutionary in my opinion given how long ago this was from but they have this setup in the opening sequence where you do this card game you're like talking to a fortune teller or something and you go through and you have to answer all these questions that are moral moral choice options that i'd have to think result in attributes for your character like you don't pick numbers i don't think for your character i think you answer these questions yeah and they inform the kind of human being your character is you know what i mean and, and that idea is really fucking cool and really in-depth role play stuff that you don't fucking see in these era of games so that was pretty cool i thought the gameplay itself was a little rough though man like the like the there's you have very small sprites that you control in a windowed interface you know it's like it's kind of like shadow gatey and that like you have a window oh. that's yeah. And no. dialogue box that takes up like, the bottom half of the screen and the top right is kind of like I don't know options or some shit that you can do so yeah like you, your, your actual sprites are super fucking small and I, I just I don't I, it was seemed like it would be a really rough go on, on the long term <laughs> you know Ultima 3 is bad enough but it's at least full screen and like controls a little bit better this was kind of uh, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't dig it but Sure, there's some merit in there, and like I said, and four was the one that's getting like a lot of positive talk too, just from the story, you know. So, yeah, maybe we'll see it. And I, I shouldn't say maybe. I know that it comes out on NES too. I've only found that out since we started talking about three <laughs> and people, <laughs> people talking about it. I did not know that future ones came out on NES, but that one is at least out on NES. So maybe the port of that is a little better, and that's kind of what people are talking about. Hmm. TBD. TBD semi-interesting. For Genesis, we have two, both of which are already out. We have Forgotten Worlds, which we talked about earlier, and then Mystic Defender. And this is an in-house Sega action platformer that is the sequel to Spellcaster for the SMS, which is the SMS game we saw earlier in the, in the mag. So they have nixed all the RPG jargon that made Spellcaster so quirky and weird and taken it in a full-on action direction with this Genesis release here. So I fired it up, mm-hmm. expecting totally bored because it was a stripped down version of another concept but it was actually did you play this it was i was pretty entertained by it to be totally honest yeah i mean you're shooting fireballs like you're ryu from street fighter you know like (laughs) it like it like it was it's an interesting platformer but nothing special like i didn't i was kind of like okay whatever It's, it's very typical and i still feel that way but at least when i first picked up my second ability and then i was able to use the a button to switch yep. between them then yep. i was kind of like i wrote yeah, that down. i'm like that, that was a cool that is cool. new yeah, yeah man Love yep. it. yeah it, it very much has that early genesis vibe it's got you know big sprites tinny music very arcade like like it, it is 100 in the wheelhouse of the early genesis games but i thought you know again low expectations in particular informing that idea like I, I was pretty impressed by it and yeah like i got into it and i was going i was like oh this is fucking it felt super stocky at the, yeah. in the, 
the first level. Did you get all the way? Did you play it enough to get to the boss? Did I? I I did, and I couldn't figure out how to beat him. Yeah, I couldn't figure out how to beat. Him. Well, I I yeah. kind of figured it out if you use the. I was using the fire, and if you could like catch, you had to go up in the trees is the only way to make him vulnerable, and then. When he get up, when he would get near you, you would have to hit that fire thing, and it would shoot the fire flames out from your character. And you could, before he got to you, that would catch him, and it would knock him down. You know, but it, it was at least I think it wasn't particularly reliable, but it was at least effective when I could land it. You know, so uh, yeah, I will try the fire down below, and I'm like, this doesn't seem to be working. What am I missing? But it was it was stock enough that I'm like, ah, I don't really care to figure it out at this point. I played the whole level. The tree stuff reminded me a little bit of the first level of X-Men on Genesis. I don't know if you ever played that, but... Oh, yeah, for sure. Which is another game that gets, that gets heat for not being particularly good. I think it's fucking incredible. Like, I think it's, it's, it is super fucking hard, but it is an incredible looking game and, and does a really good job of capturing, capturing the X-Men IP, too, I think. Anyhow, that's not this issue. That's later. The There's a couple of flying shmups for TurboGrafx-16 rounding this section out. And the port of SMS hit R-Type is one of them. And then Dragon Spirit, which is coming soon for NES. We've talked about that. It's a version Jab and I had and liked a great deal. And, you know, as you would expect, this looks so much better than the NES version. <laughs> and, yeah, dude, I mean, it's... It, I This is the first... I put this on my list. This is the first... Turbo Graphics 16 title I have put on my shit worth playing list and it's fucking great. Like I texted actually, wow. I, yeah, I recorded a video and sent it to Jab. I texted to Jab because I was like, fuck it, you know, like I said, he had this card and he, it's. I mean, we, I think we both kind of agree it's our favorite flying shmup ever, maybe. And yeah, uh, he really, he, yeah, he agreed that it, it like it uh, just because it's the theming. Like the theming is really cool. You're controlling dragons and like the idea of powering up your dragon instead of just some stupid spaceship to us. I think is just more of a, a thematically appealing idea, you know. Um, I dig that, but dig yeah, it. <laughs> it's also it's, and it also it's also fun. It controls great, and it has a, both the air and the land attack mechanic, which is cool. Again, just adding some variance and shit to to the game that you don't always get in in space shooters or flying smups. So that's cool. But yeah, I mean, I would say maybe this is kind of the thing with those those like the Turbo sixteen, and then like the SMS looks a little better than NES, but often didn't play as well because like it's like better. It has more processing power, but they're trying to do so much more that it fucks up the experience a little bit. So it felt like a little slower to me than the NES version, mm-hmm. but it did look just, I mean, you know, light years better as far as that. Like it looked like an arcade game, you know, for sure. So, wow. Pretty fucking cool. Uh, I liked it a great deal. They dropped that super dodgeball ad. We've fucking seen a million times in here as well. And I'd say the advertising budget on that game just must be astronomical. <laughs> like oh, we see sure. that ad there. every fucking thing. It's everywhere. Yeah, they're pushing that hard. I mean, that's a reason why I see that and I'm immediately like, yep, nostalgia. It's everywhere. (laughs) And a bunch of action we've seen, a Broderbund ad, the Jellico Sports campaign, a Toys R Us use uh, Toys R Us ad, and a the one of those Game Pro subscribe full pagers. Uh, A bunch of that shit bridges us to the Pro News report. And they lead off this uh, with former Atari president Michael Katz being hired by Sega of America. And I didn't recall any mention of this in Console Wars, the, the guy who wrote that book that I, I interviewed uh, in our, our uh, first and sole Erdrich's Order interview pod. But the it's interesting to me to find out that they had this misstep before hiring Tom Kalinske to run the show. Because I think of, like, when I think of Sega's 
leap to prominence in the 16-bit era, it's all Tom Kalinske associated in my mind, you know. And part of that maybe is because of this book, though I would say I knew a lot of that even before reading Console Wars. So this was all a learning experience to me for reading this shit. So Katz was hired in October of 89 and would last exactly a year before being replaced by Kalinske in October 1990, which is, I mean, if you think about it, is a super interesting choice, seen as Atari was its own sinking ship, <laughs> you right. know, by, by this time. Like, so, like, hiring an Atari exec is not really on the surface. Sounds like a very good idea to me, but. Right? It's, like, easily looking, like, obviously we have the benefit of hindsight, but, yeah, I mean, if, if Atari is the already the dying breed at that point, why why is he the guy? Like, why? What ideas is he going to bring right. to your shit? Well, you know, fucking, granted, I mean, a lot of these are shitty teams, but like, you know, you get the fucking retread coaching hires in the NFL all the time. That's what I, that's what I think of with this. Like, like this guy yeah. here, like, why? <laughs> <laughs> you know, but, you know, situations are different. It's not always, there's a million reasons, factors for that. And, and the argument can be made that you walk into the fucking interview and the guy just crushes it and says all the right things and knows what he did wrong and can point that out and be transparent about it. And like, there's a million things you could say about why that would be the case, but yeah so like you know we talked about it earlier i talked about it a bunch like i feel like his term like he basically you know he got hired right after because uh august 89 is when the the genesis came out so like hearing that one person was kind of attached to that whole period of time that i have referred to as that pre-sonic limbo that i just was not in touch with you know so like i associate him and that era i didn't know it but basically this guy's era is what i'm talking about and i didn't know that a human being represented that you know what i mean so that's kind of what <laughs> me. like i found out this person was like the guy in charge of what i'm talking about so it just gave it a face i guess is maybe what i'm saying and so you know i want to know more about that and i looked up i found a, that same website no different website actually the other one was sega16.com or some shit this is segaretro.org actually so there's an interview i found with cats here from 2006 that explained that he was responsible for the Genesis does what Nintendo campaign, not Tom Kalinske, which I guess maybe that not be specifically stated in console wars. I can't fathom that Blake like got that wrong. Maybe it's just, it just never explicitly stated when it started. And Tom Kalinske was certainly around for part of it, but I guess he didn't come up with it that, that this dude did Michael Katz. So he came up with that. And that's like, that's, that's kind of like the branding that, again, is, is thought of as the launch pad for Sega taking market share control and shit. So uh, he also is the one that was around for the Sega Visions. I mean, we already talked about the timeline for that. So he's the one that came up or oversaw at least the retooling of the newsletter into Sega Visions. And, you know, and, and like I said, he doesn't get replaced till October 1990. So yeah, he's you know, the first issue of that is in June. So he's clearly the one in, there for the whole transition of that. So he's responsible for that. And that's a big part of, of, of them becoming a, a, a doing better and he also is the one that came up with the big sports persona licensing push like the joe montana the buster douglas the fucking all those he sports is? star games and shit he's the one that did those too evander holyfield which is a fucking my favorite boxing game ever <laughs> you know like he wow. like he's the one that all that shit he's the one that you know convinced sega to pay joe montana a million bucks i think, I think he ended up saying that like montana ended up making like 3.75 million or something all in off those games and dude back in 1989 like 1990 that's a that's big dough you know like uh, football yeah. 
making like a million bucks a year. <laughs> so he fucking cashed in on it uh, at the time. So yeah, so he's the one in charge of all these things that I thought were more Kalinsky calls. And that's kind of crazy if you think about it, you know, that like <laughs> in the interview, Katz is quoted as saying he is exact word irked that the management after him, Kalinsky, as, as we must be re- referring to, has taken so much credit for the turning of the tides in Sega's favor. Like, this is 2006. It's not like this is a recent interview. So 15 years ago, this guy was getting shafted. And clearly, because, I mean, Console Wars being the best reference I can give, given, you know, my experience with it, and it being a newer thing, like, still the case. Like, it's still being propagated that way, you know? Uh, the story is still wow. being told. So yeah, and it's it's a it's, a, it's pretty short, so it's you know it's not like a long ass read or anything, but a really good interview. It'll be in the show notes if you want to check it out. I, I was yeah, there was a lot in there. I was just kind of like whoa, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, pretty fucking wild. I'll have to check that out, man. That's nuts. Yeah, sure. There is a brief mention of Dragon Warrior Two being on its way in here too, as well as the Pepsi under the cap contest that tipped me off on our commercial break selection. You heard earlier; uh, those are the notable things in here. For from my perspective, was there anything in there that jumped out to you? Uh, not really. I mean, just kind of Magic Johnson's Fast Break is a game that I re- recall. It, it's just funny to me that they're talking about how there's going to be Pepsi logos to appear in that game, yep. and I'm That's like, funny. oh man, they started early. Ninja Turtles too was a, was a the Pizza Hut stuff, and Ninja Turtles was about the same time too. So yeah, that was kind of like the mm. the yeah. new thing in games, product placement. Next up, Data East sprung for a RoboCop full pager to pair with their surely paid placement of the Xmas release in the Pro News copy on the page prior. So <laughs> more of that pairing marketing shit that you see, like the claim one earlier with the right after what the fuck was it? After something, they had their... Oh, after Double Dragon 2, they had their handheld yeah. at. And we also have a slew of advertising we've seen coming up after that. We have Game Pro Swag, the Wizard Merch uh, order form thing, Clash of Demon Head, PC Games Mag, which I still find it so weird that it's... Uh, like, it must be the same publisher is my only guess. And I, I'm surprised I haven't looked that up, but it's just so... Oh, out yeah, of- they got to diversify, man. they got to yeah. diversify their offerings. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I, I, I find it so weird that a PC game thing is just repeatedly advertised in here. And then there's also that bullshit Ultimate Game Club scam ad in here. And an Activision full pager for Stealth ATF is in there too. And we've talked about that game and the ad blows even worse than the game does. Sorry, Dan. And next issue, uh, fine print on page 88 teases a sports... Next issue, fine print on page 88, teases a sports stravaganza, black bass fishing, some tennis game titled with what I assume are players' names I can't pronounce. <laughs> I don't know nothing about tennis, but they also have Walter Payton football, which is I think, like, been out for a while on SMS. It's fucking weird that that's going to be in here. There is Tommy Lasorda baseball and power golf, and the Pro Classic will be track and field. Uh, that's NES title. It's kind of, I mean, you know, like, so that's the, that's the February issue. Like, why? I mean, I guess the Super Bowl maybe is a big deal then, which is right after the Super Bowl or right as it's happening. Maybe that's the idea, but it just seems like a weird kind of nothing happening sports month, February. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like the Super Bowl is kind of the only thing going on. Baseball hasn't started. I guess basketball and hockey are going on. I mean, maybe. Yeah. But, I mean, I don't know when the, the, the good time is to release that, though, because it's kind of all over the place sports. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, like, spring to me is, like, get baseball starting, 
fishing. I could see uh, tennis. You know, yeah. Winter is time for sports, in my opinion. Pretty much everything except football. (laughs) In the springtime, we are doing all those things. Exactly. Cutting Edge will be handheld sports titles, sports system titles, sports titles, so like Game Boy and shit. And they issue a retraction from the December issue apologizing for labeling an SMS title as NES one. So they are finally owning up to that repeated offense. (laughs) (sighs) There's an ad here for a game store called Funko Inc. in New Hope, Minnesota. And this made me wonder if this was what would become Funko Land. Yep. One short Google really? yeah, into a FundingUniverse.com article explaining one David R. Pamiji, maybe is the pronunciation, had a few failed business ventures that led to him having a big pile of video games that he had to find a way to get rid of. And he would turn that into a business that would eventually IPO in 1992 and then later be acquired by EP Games in 99. So, yeah, he basically like... I think he was going around to video game stores and shit and selling these surplus video games. And that turned into a mail order video game business that he then opened a couple brick and mortar stores for in Minnesota. And then they would start franchising and da 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 da. And then, yeah, IPO as a company in 92. So pretty cool little wow. success. And a casino kid full pager. And the Tengen full lineup ad, all shit we've seen, closed the issue out. And I don't really want to give this Tengen ad the time of day. It's pretty much all fucking garbage except RBI Baseball and maybe Gauntlet. That's a bit of a stretch yeah. even, I'd say. But they have added their line of SMS ports. And that's Afterburner, Shinobi, and Alien Syndrome. And I just, I don't know. I would never suggest playing them for a game episode or otherwise. It's like instead of the SMS incarnations, I mean, but I do find it very interesting that these had been released on the NES and I never knew that. Like that was a, the, seeing that was a, a bit of an, I don't know, surprise for me that, I mean, it's already, cause they're already like shitting in, they're, they're already like throwing dirt in NES's face by doing these unlicensed tension games to begin with. Atari is, you know, and they're like, they're in, they have lawsuit litigations and shit. And like the idea that they're like, you know what, not only are we going to do that, we're going to take your biggest competitor. And we're going to put those games on your system, too. <laughs> like It's just like an extra, like, right? Ooh, turn the knife, you know? So it's it's pretty surprising to me that they, they had the gall to do that. It is very odd, because I, I had no idea. Afterburner, and, like, even in the show notes that we do, when I saw Shinobi and Afterburner, I just assumed Sega. Like, right, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's natural. I was like, wait a minute, Maybe wait a minute. Yes, we should do yeah, that. That's a little side project, too. I wonder how... Because Afterburner didn't really work on sms shinobi was okay and alien syndrome was another one that was kind of okay you know so i wonder if they did a better job with nes ports because yes it's not the native system but you also have a little bit of like knowing what didn't work and what did work and what pissed people off and shit to look back on when doing the port so you know it it changes your uh, approach as a developer maybe a little bit to have some feedback to work into these versions so i wonder if they are better out of principle i will not um devote any serious time to them because (laughs) sms gets shit on enough That was the wilderness theme bringing us in from Golden Axe. Obviously, hot, hot game. Time for the nominations, though, Josh. 
but time for the nomination. Funny enough, first one is Golden Axe. <laughs> <laughs> Big, Big Shocker there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Big surprise there. Uh, I it it you know it's funny to me that this is my first one because we spent or I spent I shouldn't say we I spent a substantial amount of time talking about how badly I didn't want to play another beat 'em up during our last fucking <laughs> game episode. But uh, Golden Axe is pretty fucking good. <laughs> and there's enough, you know, again, there's enough shit going on there that it's not it's not so... I don't know. Like, the the spell thing. There's just some shit going... There's, there's more than your average beat-em-up, I think. The, it, it could just be the fantasy theme. Like, I don't know what it is. That, 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 that theme, to me, is just more fun than, like, a I guess a street brawler kind of deal is, is maybe more what I was thinking of when I say beat-em-up. This is, like, not the same thing, you know? So... There's that one. I have going uh, harking back to a previous nomination with Revenge of Shinobi too. Throwing that back out there, we haven't done. It's such a big franchise for Sega, and we didn't do the first one. Despite it, also I think being one nomination, the SMS Shinobi game was a, a game I nominated very early on in the the Sega thing. I think maybe before you, uh, you came on board, and you know so it's been there lurking in the periphery for a while and, and, it, and it's a, such a big franchise for them and, and i did I, I diddling with that the second one here for genesis like i, I enjoyed that so that's a game i wouldn't mind playing and it kind of lends itself to game episode format with like a stage by stage deal and then the last one is a little bit nes action with rescue the embassy mission and i i think i already explained that oh, okay. detail I, I don't think i need to touch on that again so those are, those are my <laughs> so what do you got for us nice all right man so first i, I gotta say i agree Golden X. I mean, it's. Uh, I hate to even lead off with that, but yeah, the graphics are solid. The moves, the gameplay is fun. And as a Nintendo guy, I mean, I, I just didn't experience, especially those early Sega games, just like you. So I, I want to experience what that has to offer. Um, but outside of that, I mean, we could I'm going Batman, dude. I'm going Batman okay. on the NES. Like, it fucking it, it with there, Jay. Fucking with me, Jay, because you know that I have a soft spot for that game too. Well, <laughs> it debuted in an issue of just pure hotness alongside Double Dragon 2, River City Ransom, and it deserves its time to shine. Technically so. Mario 3, but we made an executive decision. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I mean, how, how are you going to muscle those, those right, bad right. boys out? Um, and then lastly, yeah. Truxton on the Sega Genesis. I mean, it's 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 a blast. I, I've talked to him a, a ton about it. Flying shooter, uh, so many power-ups with differentiating movements and weapons but yeah a, a definite game that i for me i love to just put on some headphones some music and vibe to and just play that game it's just a blast so. and, and i i accepted that i fucking probably didn't give that the the, the due justice that it should have gotten <laughs> in my try with it so that's not a total even though it's a space nor a lot of times space them up i'd be like nope shut that shit down <laughs> but, exactly uh, not not as not as adamant about that in this case Ah, it's a lot to choose from, man. Uh, I mean, obviously, we have the easy answer of the overlap, Golden Axe. And I think we could fucking co-op that. It would be a blast, you know? Um, oh, yeah. And, I, yeah, I have almost the same level of no experience with it. So, for both of us, I think it's, you know, there's it's not just a nostalgia pluck. It's a whole new experience that we probably should have. And, like, it's the kind of thing. It's the kind of game I think that if we don't do it now, we can do it later. So, like, it's, it's almost like... Right get that checklist done but batman's that same thing and i think i think shinobi is the same thing you know so i think those all fit into that that box pretty well uh rescue you know rescue is i don't know when you, that's this is the hardest <laughs> part about about this step in the in the timeline 
the idea with Golden Axe, Revenge of Shinobi, even Batman, because Batman feels visually so advanced for NES. And then Truxton 2, you know. The idea of those five games sitting next to as fun and as cool and as interesting as Rescue Mission is, Rescue Embassy Mission is, it's still very NES gamey. And the idea of like taking that step back is so hard to accept or, or do. <laughs> you yeah, know, with, with like, other options oh, there, you know. Yeah. And like but but that's the, the thing is like we can't especially the NES has so much timeline left with so much shit that's not even out yet. We can't possibly have that like blanket stance. You know, we gotta be willing to take that step back. So that's not a reason to not do it. But uh I don't know, man. What what? I, I feel like the easy answer is Golden Axe. I mean, we it's it's the crossover. We both had it on our list, it, but I I'm afraid Batman's going to get lost. I, I feel like I, I'm going to have to have that as a backup on any other light light episodes where there's not much going on. Like right, right. Batman, now's that's the time to do it. That's, that's the thing about the, the I have said it a million times that I really like about the way we're doing the format of this is that you know well i mean batman yeah because it's a licensed title it's so popular sunsoft was one of their like key developers like you're going to see that a million times in classified information and pro counselor's corner and shit Mm -hmm. you're going to see that a bunch of times so it's not going away you know for sure so you'll have plenty of options with it so you know that's that's not a worry to have that it's going to get lost and you'll never have a chance at it again but i do like i like batman too and i have the cart I don't know if I would play that one on the cart because it's such a brutal game, but uh, <laughs> safe scumminess. I can I tell you that right now. Like, as, as good as that game is, like, you will absolutely be cussing at the thing. It's it's a. I mean, <laughs> you have you, you do have a lot of experience with it as a kid or no? I, I, I definitely played it. It's been so long though. It's been so long. Oh god, it's so hard, man. The fucking Joker is borderline impossible so <laughs> i know i've never beat it for sure the boss sure. super hard i remember yeah i remember that was i let that was like a leave my nes on at home while i go to school kind of thing with the game pause <laughs> because i had gotten to a certain part and like i was not letting that just i was not turning that progress <laughs> off you know uh, so yeah it's fucking it's an yeah. intense game um i feel like golden axe would probably be a little less stressful <laughs> right i feel like that's definitely going to be similar to alter beast but like better like i'm I'm envis- I have high hopes for that. It feels like I'm going to have more fun playing that both one player and two player than right. playing Ultra Beast. I don't know. Maybe that's too high expectations. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like, you know, like this not, that's not necessarily a reason to do it, but I feel like in the spectrum, I feel like Golden Axe might be underrepresented in the spectrum of retro video game podcasts. Well, yeah. it, it's it's one of those games where if we don't do it, it's like you've never played Golden Axe before. What do you? We have no frame of reference for this game, which is like right. one of the flagships. Of yeah, but that. E- yeah, even <laughs> even a flagship though. That's kind of what I'm saying. Like even being a flagship, I don't feel like I've seen a lot of coverage of this game, and that's mm-hmm. you know maybe that makes it our duty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in our in our extensive conversation, as we recorded the longest episode maybe we've ever recorded, with our extensive <laughs> conversation about trying to shorten this up and do uh, playing our role in the video retro gaming podcast spectrum like this is our role of these underrepresented like classics in <laughs> a serious look like this is our job so maybe that's the reason i can buy into that I, it feels dutiful <laughs> i dig it i can get behind that <laughs> work golden axe it is the well we'll probably have our, our next side quest episode up drop in between it but after after this game episode next we'll have nintendo power 
issue or no sorry actually game pro issue seven because nintendo power has yet to flip the the monthly switch so we're getting ah, two episodes okay to, to nice. one into power so yeah we're going right to issue seven on game pro next and you can subscribe to the pod on the platform provided by whatever dumbass company that serves up your pottery and please rate and leave positive shit on the pod on whatever platform you do listen to it on or even youtube now i guess now that we're doing these <laughs> and the site is nyhentertainment.com forward slash isoh isoh pod you can email us directly at isohpodcast at gmail.com. Follow the pod and banter with us on the Facebook page and the subreddit and talk shit to us about our gameplay videos and now these videos on YouTube. The links to those will all be in the show notes. Jay, what's your socials? Uh, my gamer tag is GentlemanJB without the second E. Feel free to add me, jump into some games with me. Uh, we're always active on Facebook page and subreddits. And yeah, that's where I'm, that's where you'll find me. Sure. My Instagram is at my shift key is broke. My Twitter is at Josh Follin. My gamer tag is two minute Todd. Okay, bye. See ya.